Brian Noonan is playing on the radio, baby. I want to thank Brian Noonan for going on. The world can be a scary place sometimes. You're zipping along in the left-hand lane, and all of a sudden, ha, a couch. But don't worry. We know someone who can help you survive your week. Noonan steps in. He'll help you deal with problems of the modern world. Yes, because oft times naked men will show up in your house, shower, and then make eggs. He has all the answers. He is one for four. And when all else fails, I can do 1,500 jumping jacks. So sit back, relax, and allow Brian Noonan to drop some knowledge. Good job, Noons. Right here on WGN. Ho, ho, ho! This is great! And welcome, it's Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. Happy Easter, happy Passover, happy uh, just Sunday, if you're not celebrating either one of those holidays. Uh, A beautiful, beautiful day in Chicago. Glad you're with us. Always more fun when you're involved in the big broadcast. 312-981-7200. That's how you get a hold of us. Ben Anderson sitting in the big producer's seat today, so be nice to him and then you get to me. That's how it works. You want to keep up with us on social media, it's Brian Noonan Show on Facebook and Twitter. And the text number, the same as the phone number. Don't ask me how it works. Just dial the number or text that number. You'll talk to us or text us either way. Uh, That's how you get a hold of us. We are going to have some fun today. First, uh, we're going to talk in a little bit about uh, how you are ruining your children. I know, on Easter, uh, Brian, why would you say that? But you are. You're. But listen, some of you, it's not too late. So I will, I will tell you how you can prevent... The future demise of your children, not the, not their mortal demise, but their uh, you know their skill level. So we'll talk about that. We are going to talk to uh, I well, there's a couple things that are in flux. I'll tell you what's definite. We are going to talk to Andrew Tebow. He is one of the uh, cast members of Rock of Ages, which opens Tuesday at the uh, James Niederlander Theater courtesy of Broadway in Chicago. So we'll talk to him at 5.30. Uh, we'll have a short uh, Bowtie Theater review. Yes, I was out again, all dressed up, and I went to the theater. And because you have asked for it to time and time again, yes, at 6.30, the saddest Easter story ever. I had to alert my mother that I'd be telling the saddest Easter story ever again um, so that she can uh, take her phone off the hook when her friends start calling her and asking her, how could you do that to your son? So that is the, uh, a, Ben, you haven't been here for a holiday classic. It's much like uh, people sit around on Christmas and want to hear the night before Christmas or, uh, you know, any other holiday tradition. Easter on this show means I retell the saddest Easter story ever. And it is going to be uh, something. You'll probably you'll probably want some Kleenex because it does tend to bring people to tears. Well, that that's good because I just happened to bring Kleenex with me today. That's perfect. If I, that, I expect any time I work with you, I might end up crying. So, oh, well, the, <laughs> well, yeah, that that's a safe assumption. There's always uh, there's always we're getting uh, we're as this is this is what I love about live media. Things are happening as we speak here. Um, yes, so we are uh, we are going to talk to Treg Dwerson from uh, Rebuild dot org, a Southside organization that is hosting this week a really really cool art exhibit. I. Uh, a painting from every day that President Obama was in office. His uh, official, uh, this artist painted a picture every day, starting with uh, President Obama's inauguration all the way up to his last day in office. Those pictures are on display now, and uh, we'll talk all about that and find out about uh, Rebuild.org and uh, the Rebuild Foundation. So a lot of uh, a lot of that is happening, too. It is. Uh, did you have any Easter candy today? I am very upset. I got nothing. Not, I have not had one piece of Easter candy. I had 
not one it's, chocolate egg, nothing. See, and I always say, my wife used to get me stuff, and I'd say, no, don't get me too much candy, because the more candy you buy, the more candy I'm going to eat. So now she's taking the all-or-nothing approach, where if she can't buy me a ton of Easter candy, then I get nothing. Who's got, uh, what do you got from, look at Pam, <laughs> what is this? Oh, thank you, Pam. One one chocolate carrot. Thank you. Now I have a piece. Of, thank you, Pam. This it was, on the desk. It, was <laughs> it was on the desk. It could have been here for weeks and weeks. All right. So I take. I'm going to have a piece of uh, candy from um, unknown origins. I don't know. Should I be worried? What if one of the ne'er do wells on the uh, overnight show? Maybe this is like an edible. Do they do that in the middle of the night? I don't know. But I used. To, I there's something about it. I want. I want a nice piece of uh, Easter candy. I want something from Fa- now. Tomorrow, I should probably just wait, and then tomorrow I'll go to Fannie Mae, and it'll all be fifty percent off. And then, like on Tuesday, it'll be uh, I think seventy five percent off. That's how I do it. That's I I like that way. And back when old Brian roamed the earth and would eat everything in sight like a freed hostage, I would be up early on Monday, and I would be at Fannie Mae, and then I'd uh, you know, instead of just getting one chocolate rabbit, I would go. And get a ton of chocolate rabbits. So that's what I uh, I should do that, but I'm not gonna. And I'm going to I'm going to refrain anywhere we go. But today it would have been nice. Today would have been nice to have one, uh, just one thing. My favorite were always those Fannie Mae. They're white chocolate. They're pastel color, either yellow or pink, and they're like a chick or a bunny on a stick. So they look like little suckers, but they're the white chocolate. I was always a sucker for those. No pun intended. Always good. Those were good. I, I, yeah, I remember those. those and just the uh, just the solid chocolate bunny. You, they, you can't go wrong with the Fannie Mae. I know. Uh, I know people have different uh, predilections. Some people like the Cadbury egg. They're okay. I'm not. Uh, I don't want to poo-poo a Cadbury egg. I, I'm a Cadbury fan. Are you? Yeah. They're too runny for me. That's okay. Because they remind yeah, me of I a real egg, that. and I don't like. I like my eggs hard scrambled. Okay. <laughs> so that's what about what about Peeps? See, this is the this, this is, is the polarizing yeah. the polarizing Easter candy. Now, I I will enjoy a couple of peeps. I can't eat the entire box because they're too, they're too sweet. But I mm. do like them. I do. But I also I'm a guy who likes candy corn too. So that throws people. That I knew there was a reason I liked you. People go. They have a uh, temper tantrum. Oh, how could you like that? And they like my mom loved peep loves peeps. Uh, I like peeps. My daughter likes to get peeps, but she doesn't want to eat the peeps. She just likes to get, she wants to make sure she has a box every Easter, you know, even the little four packs. She wants She wants a couple of peeps, but then she doesn't eat them because she's like, I don't like them. I go, why do you want them? I just want them. I just want to. So it's like, all right, well, you can get the, I'll buy the big, you know, I'll buy like the, the what are they, 12, 12 pack or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'll yeah. give her a couple. Then she has her peeps, and but then they're there, and then I got to eat them. Now, do you want them fresh out of the box, or do you let them go for a day or two? Get them uh, get a little hard. Depends on the year. Okay, <laughs> I've, I've done it. I've done it both ways. So, but my sister is very, very similar. Where she wants them, but she never eats them. I end up eating them. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I like. Oh man. So that's good. I. So maybe we'll get some peeps. May, you know what? If somebody's coming by, uh, maybe Karen is listening. She's coming in. She brings us a couple peeps. Just because you're going to be working her show too, right? Yep. Right. yep. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, that's. I also I've been wondering how old is too old for an Easter basket? Not for me. I don't need an Easter basket. But my daughter is 22. She didn't get a technically. She didn't technically get a basket this year. But we did uh, 
put some stuff in a box and send it to her in New York. And I was like, all right. See, Christmas and Easter are, are different because I think at some point uh, you, you can always get Christmas presents. But I think there's a, a rationale that people say, oh, you know what? When you get to be a certain age, you shouldn't get an Easter basket anymore. I'm not down with that. I, I, I Listen, I don't care. If you're 100, get an Easter basket. Give it, give people, share things, enjoy it. Don't, this age, well, I don't want to be, you know, my kids are 20. They shouldn't get an Easter. Well, no, you don't have to make the big elaborate basket. Because that's, we were all, we, I grew up, my mom would make these elaborate baskets. Well, the Easter Bunny would make the big elaborate baskets for all of us uh, and leave them. And then, so I, being neurotic, mimicked that and made the same kind of Easter baskets or let the Easter Bunny help me make the same kind of Easter baskets for my daughter that the Easter Bunny had made for us. And some people thought, you know, like this year, we didn't, like I said, we didn't do the basket. We didn't do any grass or anything in there. We just uh, found some things, sent her a little candy, and then it was like, here, happy Easter. Uh, text from the 815, I'm 53. My mom still makes me an Easter basket, and I love it. Of course, who wouldn't love an Easter basket? What kind of per- Well, I'm too old for an Easter basket. You're never too, what are you, too old for candy? Too old for a piece of candy? One year... <laughs> This is my favorite Easter story. This is the funniest Easter story. Later, we'll get to the saddest. One year, my brother, uh, my second brother, Dennis, was uh, is a smoker. And I don't know why, what possessed my dad, in my brother's Easter basket, a carton of smokes. And we're all like, what? First of all, that's just, it goes contrary to the rebirth and springtime feel of Easter. To give somebody cigarettes. Then, let's take another level that it's your father pretty much saying, you know what, I smoke, I'm going to die. You might as well join me on the path. Then we can both wake up and hack up phlegm every morning. So that was the that was the happy Easter story. My brother getting smokes. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to, uh, we're going to come back. And if you're living in a Ukrainian village... You may be walking out to your car and getting a sad surprise. A lot of people up there very, very upset about some things that are going on. Uh, if you want to weigh in about Easter and uh, are you still giving your kids Easter baskets, how old are they? And uh, are you like Ben and I? Are you a fan of the Peeps or is uh, Peeps one of the things that you just cannot take? I'm going to try this uh, this chocolate carrot of undisclosed origin. We'll see. If I make it back on the other side, I do. If not... Ben, you got uh, about three hours to fill before Karen gets here. So, <laughs> I like a challenge. I was going to play some best ofs if you can find it. Yeah. Uh, Brian, seriously, circus peanuts and peeps are the worst. No, come on, come on, two one nine. First of all, you can't you can't put those in the same category. Peeps are sugar coated marshmallow, which is delicious. Circus peanuts, I don't have a problem with circus peanuts. I can eat one or two. I'm not that's that's the extent of it. But circus peanuts are kind of a a bland marshmallowy kind of consistency. Whereas a peep, a peep, you you can identify that's a marshmallow. There's no doubt about it. Chemically enhanced marshmallow, maybe I don't know. And then it's just coated with sugar. So you can't. I uh, I cast aside your argument because you can't put those two in the same category. Come back, come back with better. You're doing apples and oranges. I want apples and apples. All right. If we're gonna if we're gonna complain, that's how we're gonna do it. That's how we judge our candy here on 720 WGN. 
Happy Easter, happy Passover. Brian Noonan following the Sox. Disappointing day in Detroit. The Sox fall to the Tigers. And now they are off to Camden Yards to take on the Indians. And then they were, I don't think they come home till Friday. But, uh, yeah, so they'll be in uh, Cleveland for the next couple nights. And, boy, oh, boy, nothing says let's party than uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Cleveland. That's just that's just fun, fun, fun. So we're talking about all kinds of things to get things rolling. Uh, Easter candy. I tried that uh, little chocolate carrot. It, was, it hit the spot. That's, uh, you know, that'll, uh, that'll hold me over now until I can get to uh, somewhere tomorrow and get one piece of discounted candy. Um, Ryan wanted to jump in because we were talking about Peeps and candy corn, two things that Ben and I enjoy. Uh, other people say no. He says Peeps, candy corn, and conversation hearts at Valentine's Day, all good. I would have to agree on all three counts. I like those uh, I like those little... This year, they were uh, talking about stopping, not making those hearts anymore, which made me very sad. You know what else would make me sad if I lived in Ukrainian Village along Ohio Street? Because some people are getting tickets, $75 tickets, because all of a sudden... Uh, they have uh, the city has put up permit parking signs. Do you live in a neighborhood? You you live in the suburbs, right, Ben? You out in the in the burbs as yeah. I do. So we don't have permit parking. And there's a part of me that understands if you lived in the city why you would want uh, your neighborhood to, to have permit parking, especially if you live somewhere around you know the United Center or Wrigley Field or somewhere else that is going to get a lot of visitor traffic. And as a tenant or a resident. You would not be able to park. Well, these signs started going up along uh, Ohio, West Ohio Street in Ukrainian Village, and nobody told anything. Nobody was told. They just went up. And the signs are not supposed to go into effect until April 29th. The enforcement of these... Um... Oh, Camden Yards is in Baltimore. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, J- Jacobs Field is in... Uh, the Jake is in Cleveland, isn't it? I don't know. Look, uh, do me a favor. Check where the socks are going. <laughs> I should know. I was listening to the game. I followed the schedule, and uh, but I was so worried about the candy, I forgot. Yes, are they going now? If I'm going to Baltimore, that'd be all right. I get some crab cakes. That's where they're going. I was so they are going to Camden Yards, but they're playing <laughs> they play the Orioles, not the. Uh, all right, so they're going to Baltimore. Thank you, six three zero. You are correct. Ah, oh, boy, this is this is going to be bad. I'm actually co-hosting uh, White Sox Weekly with Carm in a couple weeks. I gotta get this. Uh, I gotta get this down. I gotta get back into the sports night mode. Anyway, so they're going. To, the Sox aren't home. That's the point. They're going to Baltimore, Maryland. Crab cakes, Orioles, crime. The have, Wire. Have you ever been to Baltimore? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. I have been to Baltimore, uh, not to Camden Yards. Have you been to Camden Yards? I have not. I have not. I, I got my first Baltimore experience last fall. Really? Yeah. Did you get stabbed? What happened? No, I was uh, out there running uh, the air show for their, you know, how we have the air and water show. Right. They they have their fleet week where all the U.S. So you were naval taking care of the sailors? But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, in a way, yeah. <laughs> Stayed at the end of the dock? What are you up to? Uh, I, I handled all the uh, aircraft operations really? for the air show part of their fleet week. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. How'd you find Baltimore? And uh, don't say with a map. <laughs> Good about it. With, with a little luck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy it out there? I did. I, you know, I'd never been, and uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a seafood fanatic. So yeah, yeah. Getting out there and getting some fresh, uh, you know, oh, crab yeah. and, and they, all that. It was great. They're what they lack in uh, what they what they lack in mm, safety. They make up for in crab. So yeah. if you're if you know, it all yeah. works out. I, I all balances that. out one way or another. Yeah, yeah. It's a little <laughs> dicey there. 
But uh, that's why you know that's why they set the wire and everything else there because it's it's rough. Um, so anyway, back to a Ukrainian village. If you've gotten a ticket, uh, the CPD is saying, well, 12th District Supervisors have been made aware of this issue, and anyone who received an infraction can reach out to the 12th District directly and have tickets rectified. Again, I there's a part of me as, as a person who likes to be able to park in front of his house that understands this zoned parking. But there's another part of me that, as a person who comes into the city and wants to do things that it can be a real pain trying to find parking in some of these neighborhoods when uh, they've got the uh, the restrictions. And it's also hard because the signs aren't everywhere. So you can get a ticket without even knowing that you're breaking the law. And I know ignorance of the law is no excuse. But when it comes to uh, the city and parking restrictions, I think sometimes uh, they make ignorance the fallback. Because they make it hard to see the signs, make it hard to find the signs, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I didn't even know, because the uh, the zone sign was about a half a block away, and I didn't see it. But if you've gotten a ticket and you live in that area, uh, the police uh, CPD is saying, well, the officer who did it, he's been on the job less than a year, and so... Uh, you know, just to just go in, but it's still a hassle. Now you have to go in and talk to the police to get this ticket uh, tossed out. Because again, they're not supposed to start enforcing these new rules until April 29th. And last I checked my calendar, today is only the 21st of April. So, uh, if you're in in Ukrainian village, just go to your go to the 12th district. Tell them, hey, I live here. I got this ticket, and uh, I'm sure they will take care of it. And if they don't, just go crazy. Just get nuts. All right, parents, you're ruining your children. Yes, I'm talking to you, person on Easter who is ruining their children. But there is hope. I will tell you how to stop that and what you are doing wrong, uh, because as you know, I am an expert in all things. We'll We'll do that on the other side of the news. Thanks, Pam. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. Yeah. Happy Easter. Happy Passover. Hope you are enjoying the day. A lot of people I saw, even uh, after they got out of their Easter finery, they were out uh, working in the yard today. Because it, I don't want to get too cocky. I don't want to think that we're that we're over the hump. But I hear you saying, Pam's mid-70s tomorrow. I know it's uh, 70s today. Uh cooling down middle of the week i don't know what that means in this town it could mean it's back down to 20 do i put the boots away can i finally hang the uh the parkas up i don't ever hang the closet i know mine's on the kitchen chair just right by the door but once winter's over then i put it away now i have not jinxed myself by putting it away yet because two weeks ago I, we, uh, we have one of those little uh, boot trays, you know, by the door. So when you come in, you put your boots on it. And finally, two weeks ago, I put it away. And you know what happened a few days after that, don't you? BS word. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I learned my lesson with the boots. I'm not too sure uh, when I can actually put the coats away. Like today, I almost brought a coat just because I know where we're at. And I know that even though, you know, it was warmer at home than it was when I got here, but, you know. I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not. I don't know what to do. I've got one in the car, and I've got a light jacket in here, just in there, case. Just in case. <laughs> just, just in, in case. case. Oh, all right. What are we gonna? What are we gonna get past? Yeah, I don't want to do anything in the yard yet. 
I I see people out there. They're they're putting down flowers. Guy across the street was taking a stump out of his yard, like Shane. Uh, but I was like, I I'm not I'm not getting into any landscape yet. It's it's too early. I'm not going to put down seed. I'm not going to plant flowers because the minute I plant some flowers, you know, frost. Yeah, we're everything's going to die. And I hate that. I hate having to cover everything. That's a lot of work to go cover everything and then uncover everything. I just hate I that. I don't have time for that. I barely have time to do it the first time. I'm not doing it a second and third time. That's insane. Have you ever heard Memorial Day here is like, I mean, not Memorial Day, sorry. <laughs> Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Mother's Day is like the, the line. That's when you can start planning. Yes, because, and I'll tell you why. I, when I learned that, it was two years ago, because we bought all these beautiful flower baskets, and we hung them all over the yard in, uh, at the end of April. Oh, my, they look gorgeous. And then, boom, we got a cold snap. They were dead. All of them. I, we had to replace all of these baskets. And then, and I had said to my wife, when we got them, I said, is this a little too early? Oh, no, it's fine. We'll put them out. Now, do you think, uh, Pam, do you think I'm the kind of guy who said I told you so as I was throwing those out and mm, uh, we were writing, yeah. pulling out the credit card to buy to rebuy all these flowers? Yeah, lots of eye rolling and yeah. Yeah, you're you exactly right. I, uh, I did not let her forget it. So last year, we were talking about getting flowers. But she and I didn't have to remind her. She said, "Oh, we're going to wait till after Mother's Day." I said, "Oh, that's a good idea." And this year, same thing. We're waiting. We're not getting anything till after Mother's Day. Fantastic idea. See, she's a quick. She's smart. That woman, you know, smart enough to snag me. I agree. I agree. <laughs> that's right. I said it. Nobody believes it, but I said it. All right, parents, and I count myself as one of these. Um, a new poll says some parents are killing adult kids' life skills. If you are one of these parents, you're probably shaking your head right now and, well, that's not me. I would never do something like that. Hmm, are you sure? Because, unfortunately, a lot of parents are doing it. And it starts when they are in grade school and in high school. Are you constantly reminding your kids that their homework is due, that they have to take their soccer shoes with them, that they have practice after school, that they, every little thing... Are you letting them are you letting them make their own decisions? Are you letting them forget things sometimes? And if you lay out their lunch and they forget it, well, are you letting them figure out okay, you know, if you're in high school, there's a lunch room, you could probably get something to eat. Their school's not going to let you starve. Or are you running to school with their lunches and their homework and everything else? Well, if you're doing that, maybe you're one step away from being Lori Lachlan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe you're one step away from being Felicity Jones or Felicity Huffman, and you are bribing schools to get your kids in, which I still don't understand that. But it's a pattern of today's parents taking control so their children succeed and avoid avoid disappointment and failure. And listen, as a parent, no kid, nobody wants their kid to be disappointed or fail. But how else do we learn? Because as adults, we all, we all have to face disappointment. I would like to meet an adult who has never faced disappointment or failure. Because I have a feeling I would not like that person. I don't think... I think disappointment and failure, if it... Listen, not all the time, obviously. But every once in a while, if, you've, uh, if you have to face the adversity, it makes you a better person. It makes you a stronger person. <sighs> well... A new poll was conducted by the New York Times and the Morning Consult, and it showed that parents don't stop handling things for their children when they become adults. I'm, I'm still, we still monitor this um, parents group 
from Tulane, where Molly went to college, even though she's been out, it's approaching a year, but I like to see. And these are the kind of things that always baffled me when um, when she was in college, and now that she's out and I'm just really removed from it, I read these posts, and it it amazes me the extent to which some parents will go to uh, coddle and baby their children. There was a post the other day from a woman asking the hive mind to help her figure out what could be done because her son, who's a, I think he was a sophomore, sophomore in college. So this kid's 18, 19 years old, maybe 20. It's the end of sophomore year. It could be 19, 20. This kid had left his sunglasses in one of his lecture halls. And she just wasn't sure what to do and wasn't sure what he should do. They were $200 Ray-Bans. And how how on earth could he function without mom getting other adults to give them advice? Had it been me, and answering my advice would have been, tell me, you know, next pair of sunglasses he has to buy buy his own. You know, why... First of all, and this is this is old man Brian coming out who still thinks, you know, sunglasses should be like $7 cuz for a long time I used to lose sunglasses and sit on them and stuff. So before I needed prescriptions, I never paid more than $10 for sunglasses. Cuz I was like I'd, I'd pick them up wherever. And it's like, all right, I'd wear them for a while, they'd get broken or I'd leave them somewhere and it's like, all right, I was only out 10 bucks. So I had like I had a bandolier of sunglasses, just cheap sunglasses, me and ZZ Top. Nothing wrong with that. So $200, $200 sunglasses, I guess now if they're prescription or, you know, prices go up. But still, why are you asking what your son should do? He's 19 or 20. He should know what to do. Take care of your stuff. So we keep, um, according to this, we don't stop removing obstacles to child frustration or defeat, thus earning ourselves the moniker of snowplow or lawnmower parents. There are some things that came out of this study that if they do not shock you, disgust you, and amaze you, uh, you're probably guilty of them. So I'm wondering from you at 312-981-7200, at what point do you start letting your kids feel some disappointment? You know, you can look back, you can look at the the college cheating entrance exam entrance cheating scandal as the big picture you know i think that is i think that's a really good way for young people to begin processing disappointment so when did you when did you start letting your kids deal with disappointment how much are you involved in not of course the important stuff clothing, food, shelter when they're little. But as they start getting older, when do you start cutting the cutting the strings? I'm going to read you some of these uh, findings from this study and it is uh, it is shocking. We'll get to that after this 720 WGN. Hold on, I'm coming. PPG paint read, the Tribune read. And some really horrific numbers. From this uh, latest poll conducted by the New York Times and Mar- Morning Consult, uh, basically saying that we are 
as parents killing adult kids' life skills. Now, these they're talking about kids who are college age and above, and the things that parents are doing. And my question to you at 312-981-7200 is, when did you start letting your kids know that, you know what, sometimes there's going to be disappointment and failure, and I, as your parent, am not going to do remove all obstacles from your way. Sometimes you're going to have to stumble, and you know what, that's okay. I'll be there to help afterwards, but you need to you need to know that uh, you're strong enough to get past some sort of adversity. 312-981-7200. Uh, let's see. Is this... Uh, I see so many names up here. There's, uh, is that Mike? Is it Mike? All right. Hi, Mike. Yeah, yeah it's Mike. I, 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 so what do you think? I have, to, I have to mention that, you know, going out 15 to 16, everybody's excited about getting their driver's license. Right. And right. sometimes, you know... Kids can be disappointed if the parent says, you know, he's just not ready to drive yet. Right. You know, or, and some kids are not. You know, and you're doing something bad, maybe uh, maybe that we got to wait a year. And that's responsibility. It's also a privilege to drive. And learning a privilege and earning a privilege, you know, is about respect. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, the people well, don't, people opinion. people confuse right and privilege all the time, and especially kids. And if kids, uh, you know, the kids begin to get a sense of entitlement, which carries over into young adulthood and then adulthood. And I think the earlier you can teach them, you know, it's it's as simple as teaching want and need as well. You know, right privilege. Uh, I want this. I need this. They're, those are very different things. Yeah, and and, as you, and that's you not know, some kids will have their cars and stuff like that given. You know, well, no, you should earn it. Right. Oh yeah. You it's, yeah. It's uh, you know, and and you say that, and and I say those kind of things, and people look at me like, oh, that's so that's so old fashioned. No, it's not. It's no, it's no. not because once your no, kids are out in the world, they're going to have to learn. Kids, yeah. You know. Good, good, responsible, and respect, and stuff like that. What they have, what they've earned. Yep, I agree. Bottom line. Mike, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Uh, all right. Let's see. Something's going on. Something's going on with our phones today, Ben. I don't know what's going on. Uh, here, see, here are some of the numbers from this uh, from this poll. So this says, by the time kids are old enough for college and way beyond the point they should have graduated, parents, whether wealthy or not, are still doing things children can do for themselves, such as 76% of adult children were reminded by their parents of deadlines they need to meet, including for schoolwork. Now, I can't imagine calling my college-age child and tell, did you do that paper? You know, now our daughter would call us and say, "Oh, I have a paper due on. I have a paper due next week." I go, "Okay." Now, did I mark that down in my calendar and call her back in a couple of days? Hey, did you start that paper? Nope, because I she's the one who's going to class. It's not me. Now, I would talk to her the next week and she'd say, "Oh, I was up last night doing that paper." That's the that's the only time I would remember that she had told me there was a paper. I go, "Oh yeah, how'd that go?" <laughs> Now, you could say, boy, you're an inattentive father. And I would say, no, I don't believe I am. I'm allowing her to do things for herself. 74% of parents... Now, remember, I'm talking about these are adult children. 74% made appointments for them, including doctor's appointments. And I'm trying to... Now, this one's a little misleading. Because I think if you have a kid in college 
and they're coming home for spring break or something, and you know they have to see the dentist that you are still paying for because they still are technically on your insurance or whatever, well, that's okay. But now our daughter lives in New York. She's a grown woman with a job. If we were still making her doctor's appointments, calling her physician in New York or her dentist in New York, there would be something wrong with that. On our side and on her side. Because again, imagine being an adult child and still wanting, needing, or allowing your parents to do all that kind of stuff for you. It makes absolutely no sense. 15% of parents with children in college had texted or called them to wake them up so they didn't sleep through class or a test. This is why I'm glad I went to college when there were no cell phones. I would talk to my parents on Sunday. That was it. Sometimes even that I'd miss if we were, you know, if I was doing something. There was no, you know, they weren't texting me all day. I was, if I slept through class, you know what? Sorry, I slept through class. If I miss a test, boy, I better go talk to that professor and figure out what I'm going to do because I know my mom and dad aren't going to call them, and I know some parents still do that. Oh, all right, Ben, you work uh, you work here at WGN. You have other jobs as well. So I'm told. This is, uh, yeah, you and me both. It's always, it's always a roll of the dice when yeah. I show up on Sunday. Put that card to the door. Green light, I'm in. Red light, oh, hmm, I didn't get the memo. This is the most egregious finding of the poll. And I would put a challenge out. If you have ever done this for your adult child, please call me. Uh, don't use your real name because you'll be embarrassing. You'll be embarrassing yourself. of the people who responded to this poll, parents with adult children will call their child's employer if he or she has an issue at work. Can you imagine? One, can you imagine doing that as a parent? Two, what kind of... What are we doing and what kind of people are we raising that you would call... You would allow your parent to call your work. I can only imagine if we called where our daughter works and and said, well, you know, uh, she said she's having a little trouble. There's somebody who, uh, who gave her a hard time. What? So I, I'm hoping that if you are within the sound of my voice, you have not done one of these things. Especially this last one, but any of them. Uh, 630, my sister-in-law and cousin kept both their kids local. One at Loyola, one at DePaul. Both coordinate and do their kids' homework. What? One graduated, one flunked out. Oh my gosh. From the 847, end of freshman year, son called and said, Mom, I missed uh, my flight home. I told him to let me know when you have it figured out. I'll pick you up at the airport and let him sort it out. Yeah, that's... You struggle with this as a parent because there is a point where you're like, well, should I still be doing stuff? But you have to realize, and it's, it's, it's something I've struggled with, there's, there's a point where you have to back away. And your kid has to know, listen, if it gets really drastic, of course, I'll do what I can to help. But you have to show me that you've, you've got some skills that you're going to be able to survive. Because what, what if we're not around? You know, you've got to be able to take care of yourself. 
From the 815, those are the same parents that would call and yell at a teacher for disciplining or giving an appropriate grade to their child in school. Yeah, see, it starts early. That's the problem. It starts really young. The kids get used to it. The parents are empowered because they think, well, I got away with it when my kid was in sixth grade, and then I got away with it when my kid was in high school. So now my kid's in college. Well, I can still keep doing it. Well, I've got news for you. College professors, college TAs, they don't care what you think because they're treating your your child as an adult. Your child is another student in their class. And they operate under the assumption that your child, because they are 18 or above and are at a university or a community college or a trade school, that they are adults preparing themselves for real life. And in real life, mom and dad don't get to swoop in and save the day. 312-981-7200. Phil wants to share a story. Hi, Phil. How's it going? Uh, so I actually know somebody whose parents called uh, the work for their daughter. Really? What? Now, all right, what does their daughter do? You don't have to be specific, but what general what general type of work does the daughter do? Um, laboratory work. Laboratory work? Okay. And what, did, yeah. uh, and what was going on that facilitated... The, the parents calling um, the daughter wasn't able to fully grasp the workload okay so the mother had a call and like argue with the supervisor about how much work they're giving the daughter whoa and, yeah now do you and, work uh, do you work with the daughter I, I did work with the daughter the daughter doesn't work there anymore does she <laughs> No, she doesn't. No. So they had to have a meeting with the daughter and, like, sit down. And it got to the point where the daughter was like, oh, I, I don't know. Let me let me talk to my mom. So, like, Whoa. after the meeting, she had to call her mom up. But here's, here's a big twist. So I don't work for that company anymore. I work for a different one. Okay. I work with the mother. No. Yeah. Now, do you ever so, have her call on your behalf, Phil? Does she Does she step <laughs> up for you like a surrogate mom? No. Oh, that's no, unfortunate. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. How did, so, how did they, like, did, it sounds like the daughter was okay with her mom calling the boss? Yeah. Oh. Um, and the funny thing is, like, my first day at this new place, they're like, oh, I, I know that company. My daughter worked there. And then she was explaining to me what happened. And, like, light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is yeah. unbelievable. Phil, I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. All right, let's do this. Then it's news time, 720 WGN. Thank you, Pam. Brian Noonan on 720 WGN. 5.30, we will talk to one of the cast members from Rock of Ages, which is opening Tuesday at the James Niederlander Theater, courtesy of Broadway in Chicago. But right now, uh, I welcome Treg Dorson to the program. Treg is the COO of Rebuild Foundation, and they have a, a wonderful program going on this week as well. Treg, uh, welcome. Thanks for taking some time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and um, highlighting the work that Rebuild is doing in this great exhibition. Well, and for, before we before we get into what rebuild is and everything, I just want to tell you uh, real quick. I was a great admirer of your dad's, um, so it's uh, it's good to talk to you and and remember him as well. Tell everybody. Oh, I appreciate that. Tell everybody what Rebuild Foundation is. 
Yeah, Rebuild is a foundation that uses arts and culture to revitalize the south side of Chicago. Uh, it's our founder and leader is artist Theaster Gates, um, and our flagship property is the Stony Island Arts Bank. It was a, a abandoned bank for over 30 years. It's located on 67th and Stony, and the bank has been revitalized and redeveloped into an exhibition museum gallery space that holds collections that are significant to the black community. So, uh, you know, a lot of our collections point to uh, celebrate black achievement while also paying respects to the trauma that the black community has faced uh, throughout uh, American history. And what kind of, uh, we're going to talk about the current exhibition that's there, uh, which I think is fascinating, but what kind of things have you, have you showcased in the past? Yeah, we have a few permanent collections uh, on display. Um, there's the Johnson Publishing Company Library. It's a, a collection of 15,000 books. These were the books that were used by the writers of the Ebony and Jet magazines. And, you know, Johnson Publishing Company was such an iconic uh, publishing company in Chicago that disseminated so many positive images of, of black Americans throughout the world. Uh, another collection we have is a collection of uh, Negrobilia, so derogatory images and objects that uh, remind us of the, the tough times and uh, that the black community has faced. And also there are the Frankie Knuckles records. Frankie Knuckles was uh, the godfather of house music, and we have all of his records on display. And at the Arts Bank, we'll do... Uh, Film screenings, musical performances, DJ sets, uh, and it's a, a very vibrant and active atmosphere. We're open from Friday to Sunday from noon to 8. There's uh, no admission fee. You know, it's important to us that uh, it's accessible yeah. to everyone to come in and, and enjoy these, these beautiful, beautiful collections, beautiful things. And it's an incredible space. And it, looking at the pictures of this building, and you see these buildings all over the city, uh, not just on the south side, but it's it is important when you have these huge historic buildings. You know this this bank is a is a, a monster building, and to see it just sitting there empty, or to think about it being torn down, that's a blight on any neighborhood. You want something like that to be full, and, and whether it's a bank, whether it's a museum, whatever it is, to keep to keep things going. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the bank, is, as you mentioned, is such a huge space. It's about 40,000 square feet. Yeah. And she um, asked her purchased the bank in 2012 uh, from, for a dollar from the city of Chicago, and the bank was about a week away from being demolished. Oh, jeez. So it was, it was an incredible effort uh, to restore it and bring it online. It took about three years to fully develop it. It's amazing. The pictures The pictures just look phenomenal. You mentioned some of the permanent exhibits. You also have artists in residency there, uh, d- different types. You have musical artists there performing the first Sunday of every month through this year. Other artists are there uh, for the year in residency. Tell us about some of them. Yeah, we have, um, we have a DJ in residence, uh, Dwayne Powell. He uh, performs just about, I think, every third Sunday of the month at the Arts Bank. Um, we just recently got our uh, liquor license to be a full, full functioning bar with uh, the DJ residents to really create a celebratory environment. Nice. Uh, as you mentioned, we have uh, artists in residence. Uh, the artists will live on the Dorchester uh, Avenue block. Dorchester was the origination of Rebuild's work, where uh, the Astor redeveloped a single family home to be 
uh, community art space. It's uh, it's phenomenal. Let's get into let's get into the the current exhibit that's going on this week through uh, August twenty fifth. So that's through Thursday. Uh, artist Rob Pruitt began painting a picture of President Obama the first day in office, and he painted a picture of President Obama his entire two terms. the The final picture was painted on the day that uh, Donald Trump was sworn in. How did this How did this exhibit come about, and how did it end up at the Arts Bank? Yeah, well. Um Rob is a professional artist. Uh, he lives in New York. And as you mentioned, he was incredibly uh, inspired, like we all were, of uh, President Obama's 2008 campaign and presidency. So every day of Obama's presidency, uh, Rob made it part of his morning routine uh, to paint a portrait of President Obama. And he picked a photo from the Internet that was the day prior and then, um, you know, really highlighted it in the paintings by painting with white over a, a blue and red canvas. Uh, Rob is the Astor's peer, and as, when he completed the works, he was searching for uh, an exhibition space that can really not only display the work, but make it come alive around community programming. Mm-hmm. And there's no better space for this exhibition and this on the Island Arts Bank. You know, we're located on the south side of Chicago. We're less than a mile away from the uh, Obama Presidential Library site. Um, so it just, it's just an incredible fit, and it really complements uh, the other collections that we have on display, like the Johnson Publishing Company Library the, the, uh, and the Ed Williams Collection, which is the, the derogatory images of Black Americans. So it's, it's really compelling, and uh, we're really thrilled and honored to have it. Yeah, you're right. You couldn't have picked a better location for it to be uh, on exhibit. So it, there's 2,922 paintings. That's that's a monumental undertaking. How long did it take to get to set the exhibit up? It it was um, it took us about a week okay. to get it fully installed, and um, you know, Rob's gallery was very helpful. Where uh, you know there were professional art handlers on site to really set up the the, the grid. Uh, Rob came in early to choose where the how the paintings would be displayed. So when you walk into the arts bank, there's a main atrium room, and then there's two side rooms, and the portraits are on throughout the walls of the first floor. There's also a shelving and racking system where the paintings that could not be displayed on the wall are on the shelf. And they're available for our visitors to come uh, take a portrait out, out of the shelf. You know, they're wrapped in protective um, plastic, and you can take a picture with it and view it, view it, view it more closely. Well, that's wonderful. And they're not, from what I understand, it's not chronological order, correct? The, the, it's who, who decided? Was Rob, was it his vision, or this goes here, this goes here? How was, it, how was the order decided? Yeah, exactly. It's it's not chronological. Uh, the, the order uh, was determined by Rob, and um, I believe he he chose by which which images to to display and, and where to put put them uh, on the wall. Uh, I'll also say that as you mentioned, there's 2,922 paintings, and it's all encompassing. And um, you know, from the first State of the Union address to casual moments where He's playing with his daughters or walking their dog, Bo, or having a, a, a private moment with uh, Michelle Obama. 
So it, it's really uh, incredible. And Rob uh, mentioned that he enjoyed painting the more human uh, moments of his presidency where he was with his family. Yeah, there was there was a, a quote from him that I read. He said, I did not want to highlight big moments, moments like the signing of the Affordable Care Act, the Iran nuclear deal, or the capture of Osama bin Laden. I wanted to depict a very measured, intellectual, capable statesman who showed up to work every day and led a leader with a long list of accomplishments we as a nation would be proud of. And that's that's a quote right from the artist Rob Pruitt. Uh, it, it sounds like such a monumental undertaking to get it here and get it set up. Is there a chance of it coming back? Is there a chance that you'll extend it a little longer? Because right now, uh, right, it's supposed to be closed on th- Thursday? No, it's going to be open to the end of August. Oh, through the end of August. Okay, I had to... Yeah, so it'll I be on to... display through the end of August. Oh, perfect. Um, I'm, yeah, so we're, we're excited to have it with, uh, with us throughout the summer. Terrific. Uh, and our plan is to do uh, community programming around the paintings. We're going to have a partnership with the Obama foundation to really highlight the work and and get the word out and and talk about president obama's um, legacy and tell tell us again the hours because it's the weekend so people can get out there now we have also i thought we had to hurry up and get down there by thursday now we can uh, <laughs> now we can come down we got the summer this is much better i like yeah, that better yeah, yeah, i don't, the, the I don't summer, need that the there you go there you go yeah we're open from noon to eight uh friday to sunday Noon to 8, Friday to Sunday. And again, if you want to go to the Arts Bank and uh, help rebuild Foundation, it is at 6916 South Dorchester in Chicago. It is rebuild-foundation.org, the website. Uh, you find out all about not only the wonderful Rob Pruitt exhibit, but all the permanent exhibits there, the artists in residency, and everything else that Rebuild Foundation is trying to do. To to Now, you're starting on the south side. Is this something that you're hoping will branch out into other neighborhoods of the city? We we do. We're, we're looking at a project on the west side of Chicago in uh, the Garfield Park Conservatory where we're looking at potentially uh, implementing a, a wood processing facility there Very nice. uh, to do some carpentry work. So we're, we're looking at it. We're working on to uh, We're excited to explore that area. Uh, Fiaster is from the west side of Chicago. Uh, so... Yeah, I think the future of the work will be both south and west sides of Chicago. Very nice. Well, right now people can go to the uh, Stony Island Arts Bank, which again is at 6916 South Dorchester Avenue. To get all the information about all the work that Rebuild Foundation is doing, go to rebuild-foundation.org. Treg Dorson, I appreciate the time this afternoon. I look forward to seeing you out there and uh, checking out this exhibit. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Um, as I mentioned, the, the Arts Bank is at Stony Island, 67th. Uh, in Stony Island. Oh, 67th uh, in Stony. Okay, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, very, oh, no problem. But a very large and beautiful uh, white historic building. And uh, we look forward to seeing seeing everyone. So thank you again. Very nice. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thanks, Treg. That's Treg Dorson, uh, 67th in Stony Island, the uh, Arts Bank. Go there, check out this uh, incredible... I've seen a few pictures. Uh, they There was some news coverage on the uh, the Rob Pruitt exhibit, and it looks phenomenal. 2,922 pictures. Imagine getting up every day, having that kind of talent. Get up every day and paint a picture. That must uh, That's your gig. That's what you do. It sounds phenomenal. So uh, go check that out. All right, let's do this. Then there's more. It's WGN. All right. 
Once again, the Stony Island's Art Stony Island Arts Bank is at 6760 South Stony Island Avenue in Chicago. You can go check out that Rob Pruitt exhibit. 2,922 portraits of President Obama from his first day in office to his final day in office. And uh, no order, just uh, walk around. Plus, it's uh, it's interactive. You can uh, get your picture taken with a few of the portraits that are on a shelf when you walk in to the bank. After 5 o'clock, a quick Bowtie Theater review. I went and saw another show this week. Very exciting. Uh, but it'll be a short review because it's, it's leaving town. And then at 5.30, we'll meet one of the cast members of Rock of Ages, which is opening Tuesday night at the uh, James Niederlander Theater. Uh, you football fan, Ben? Sure you are. Who doesn't like football? Oh, yeah. If you're an American. Yeah. Uh, you a Patriots fan? Not really. No, good. I see. Oh, you were. Oh, I thought that was a Broncos hat. What do you want? No. No, okay. No. All right, good. Just checking. Just no, checking. I'm, I'm, I'm Bears, born right, and bred. Good. There you go. Yep. Well, you know, Robert Kraft is the owner of the uh, New England Patriots, and uh, he was uh, caught in a sting operation in Florida going into the uh, Orchids of Asia Day Spa and Massage Parlor, and it was not for uh, muscle. Well, it might have been for muscle tension, uh, depending on what, what muscle was tense. But uh, you know the story. that He was arrested as part of a sting operation, uh, all sorts of things. So he is... Um, well, he's in a little bit of trouble. But now he's in more trouble because the owners of that massage parlor claim a celebrity news website, which is an oxymoron, but a celebrity news website has acquired portions of that video, Robert Kraft's video, from inside the room with the uh, young woman who was uh, massaging him. Wink, wink. Here's what I don't get. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of people who want to see this, but why? This is this might if we're if we're upset enough by this, which by all rights we should be, then why would you want to see this? What's the thrill of seeing an old man uh, engaged in this sort of activity, other than taking perverse joy in the fact that? someone rich and famous and powerful was caught in a compromising position. Do you really have the need to see if it's available to you? Are you going to, I have, I have no desire. I have no desire to see Robert Kraft, um, get relief at the, uh, Orchids of Asia day spa. So the lawyers of the owners of that day spa are attempting to receive a protective order for the Robert Kraft video. That's according to CNN. The motion was filed the other day. It accuses Jupiter, Florida law enforcement of, quote, violating a temporary protective order by leaking the video. (laughs) They said leaking the video. Considering the fact that only Palm Beach County State's Attorney's Office and the Jupiter Police Department has possession, custody, and control of the video surveillance, it is a logical conclusion that someone must have leaked the video surveillance in direct violation of the court orders. Well, yes, that would make uh, that would make some sense. Robert Kraft is charged on two counts of soliciting prostitution, uh, and they have his lawyers have filed a motion to stop release of the police surveillance video. First of all. No desire to see it. Second of all, shouldn't this be a cautionary tale to anyone who may want to visit one of these places? I would have never guessed that there were video cameras in there. Never would. See, this, that lack of knowledge shows you that I lead an upstanding life. 
that I have I do not partake in this. I let my muscles be tense, every last one of them. I walk around like a knot of tension and fury and rage and hatred. But I would I'm never going anywhere to let someone relieve me of that <laughs> of that stress, especially now that I know there's uh, little cameras in there. And I guess the justification would be, well, we have surveillance cameras in there in case, you know, to keep the the girls safe. But somehow I'm thinking the owners of these places don't have the girls' safety or well-being at the uh, as a priority in their thinking. Since, you know, the the reports of the treatment of these women is not good, which is really no surprise. Uh but again, now they're, they're releasing the tape. I know one man who's already signed up to get that tape, which is uh, very strange. Roger Badish, uh, you, you've subscribed to all these channels to get these leaked tapes, don't you? And you, oh, you yeah. use it under the guise of, I'm doing this for work. News, news research. Sure, news research. News research. Uh-huh. Because it's, it's not just enough for someone to tell you what they think they saw on the right, tape. Right, i got to see it. You must have first-hand knowledge of seeing that tape. And then, Listen, not only I seeing the tape... I have a hard enough time looking at myself when I get out of the shower. I don't need to see Robert Kraft in a towel, you know, because I'm guessing, I'm guessing he's, uh, you know, he's still in his shirt and tie and, and suit coat, and then, you know, then so, nothing else. For a quick else. getaway? Sure, yeah, <laughs> so to speak, so to if speak. that's how you want to put it. Yeah, quick getaway. Um, you know, he just wants it to end happily. He's got to go. It's, it's, all, it's all there. So, yes. You're in early again? Not Good to early. see you. Happy Passover. Thank you, sir, and happy you... Easter to you and Thank the family. You. By the way, what I have solved the mystery of your little chocolate uh, carrot. Yeah, the crunchy. Yeah, it was chocolate. a crunchy chocolate. It's like carrot. rice, you know, like a sure, yeah, Nestle like a crunch. Nestle crunch. Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually is uh, from Jess Rains, Matt okay. Bubala's producer, who gifted me a bag of those on ah. Friday night and. Uh, someone, uh, some people came in last night or this morning, and were in thirst for some chocolate. I see. And I handed out the that rest of them, nice and that was you. the last one that was. It was the last. Pam uh, brought yeah. me in. She had no idea who had left yeah. it. I knew it was some ne'er do well. So, yeah, so it's right. fresh. It was fresh. Yeah. It was freshly fresh bought. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it was very tasty. I know it was. I not needed enough a piece to... of candy. No, yeah, I, I know. I, I was very disappointed. Yeah. Because I had listen. I don't want to. You know, I had something nice for uh, my wife today. She, I didn't get you anything. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, that's fine. I don't need a gift, but I was hoping for like you know one. Uh, Fannie Mae Trinidad egg, right. something, you know, w- one piece of candy. Something to, to honor the holiday yes. in the festive spirit that well, it is. Well, she made a nice egg bake for breakfast. Oh. So we, yeah, we good. did, instead of going out, because I had to be here, so right. we didn't go out, but uh, we did a little brunch at home. Which was, that was nice. All right. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Roger's here. We'll, uh, we'll talk to him. He's starting uh, the news pretty soon, but Pam wants to start the news. Thanks, Pam. I was wondering what we were ready for. So we're ready for something. And then yeah, you, you know what? I was almost ready to join the conversation live and read that other thing I'm supposed to read. You could read about, that. you know, the, the, the this is the story that matters, oh, or the these are the stories that matters, that, matters, sure. that yeah, thing. Yeah, but matters. yeah, I had to look at the time. And I'm like, no, 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 it's 5 o'clock, so yeah, no. Oh, so nothing matters at 5 o'clock? No, it all matters, all oh. the time, but it matters even more at 5.30. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, sure, at 5.30, you know, I'm done talking and you get to talk again, or Roger talks. So, yeah, the news comes out at 5.30, that's why it matters. This next half hour, full of stuff that probably doesn't matter.
Hopefully it's entertaining. Doesn't really matter in the whole scheme of things. Happy Easter. Happy uh, Passover. Brian Noonan here until 7 o'clock. Then Karen Conti comes in. Uh, after 5.30, we are going to talk to Andrew Tebow. He is one of the cast members of Rock of Ages, which opens Tuesday at the uh, James Niederlander Theater. Uh, Roger, give us a quick tutorial, first of all. Uh, mm-hmm. Happy happy Passover, as oh, I mentioned you. before. Mm-hmm. Now, I know uh, I know a little about Passover, but there's a, there's a question I have. So it, pa- Passover starts... Usually with a seder on Friday and Saturday, the first two the nights. First two nights, there's a seder. but then what do you what do you do for the because Passover it's is a week, yeah. it's eight days. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a why? Uh, because Hanukkah is also eight eight days. Uh, uh, seven days. Oh, seven, seven Adam nights. Sandler told me it was eight crazy nights. Yeah, Adam Sandler said eight yeah, crazy yeah, nights. I'm trying to count the candles. I'm a, one, two, three, four, eight. five, six, seven. I'm sorry, eight. Thank you. How am I? Listen, I'm not even Jewish, I'm and I know that Hanukkah has eight nights. I'm confused. You're Jewish. You don't know that Hanukkah has eight it's nights? It's not time for Hanukkah yet. Right, but my question is, yes, what's okay. the correlation between eight days for Passover and eight nights for Hanukkah? Is there, is there in fact, a correlation? And I will tell you this. In my youth... And know that people are listening and, who are and going to I'm correct fine. you. And the, I'm, they have no reason to correct me because I'm not going to give misinformation. We'll see. Uh, what I'm going to say is, when I was much younger, a toddler even, and going to uh, Sabbath school... Um, Sabbath school? Well, because like you went CCD um, for the Sabbath. Okay. Oh, oh so yeah, like yeah. School it's for, the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. You either went on Saturday sure. or you went on Sunday. So the older kids went on Saturday. That's nice to get it out of the way. Which kind of really cut into the morning cartoons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the younger kids would go on Sunday. Uh, so at that point, I'm sure amongst the many lessons that we had about Pesach, which okay. is uh, how you would say it in, in uh, Hebrew, um, uh, they told us why it was eight days long. I have since, in my many years of distance from those classes, yeah. have forgotten why it's eight days all or right. nights. And uh, because through all the years, our family only was together to celebrate Pesach for the first two nights, the first yes. two seders. So why why do you why are there not seders every night? One, it would be yeah, crazy. good question. Yeah, why? Why is everything front? Why is uh, is Passover front loaded? So, what happens like the next the the final six days or nights? Uh, actually, you'd have to check the people who set up the holiday. Really? Yeah, I, I don't actually know if, I do I don't not know. know. If they're still around, honest. are they? Uh, no, they're about uh, five thousand eight hundred years gone. Yeah, I was. So I can't ask them. Right. So your advice is, <laughs> you know, and I I I know why I know what Passover is, I know right. that, mm-hmm. but I just, I was like, okay, because Hanukkah, it's every night, right? Right, you, because you, that's how long sure. the, can, the oil the, lasts. The oil, right. and so every, but every night, there's, you know, a gift or some remembrance as you light yeah. the candle every night. Passover, it seems like everything happens the first two nights, right? and then... And I'll, I'm going to venture this, if I may. Well, listen, I... So the first two nights, I think, are the celebration of the actual exodus from Egypt, the the actual getting out of there. Right. And heading out into the desert. Okay. I would imagine that it was probably uh, uh, eight days, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, before the uh, uh, commandments were handed down. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a wild guess of mine. 
Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, or until they got to the Red Sea. But I mean, I, I again, know. in biblical times, a day is not necessarily what we think as 24 I, hours. I understand that. You see. I'm so, just asking. I, yeah. I also need to know how excited you are that now you can eat rice and beans during your seders. Uh, the, oh, you're right. Of course I'm right. Yeah, of I course you say, are. Listen, I'm not like you. I'm not just venturing a guess because I'll no, get in trouble. You prepare. Me, me, oh, I'm my ca- gosh. If I say something, there's a good chance, unless I'm talking about Camden Yards, which I'm <laughs> identified as being, as being in. Uh, but people won't get as upset with me no, if I make a mistake no, about baseball no. as if I make a mistake about Passover, which Correct. they shouldn't because Passover is a little more important than baseball. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah. yes, it's you. You were never allowed to have anything that might have wheat in it. Correct. And now you can have rice and beans. Did that change your seder? Meal? Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> nope. You didn't, One, you didn't I don't eat beans. Go, uh, two, I do have rice with me uh, for my dinner tonight. Uh, but okay, but you're, um, are you having a seder in the newsroom? Uh, kinda. Do you have four cups of wine? I have as many I'll as a, I want. Maybe I'll stick around. <laughs> matzo, have some matzo, Actually, some wine. you need more than the four cups of wine because you need you need a cup to dip for the plagues. You actually have to uh, mm-hmm. dip your finger or you, you take a knife and you dip or whatever. Again, spoon. I'm just saying four cups of wine. Yeah. That's uh, how many that's, you drink. That's how many I drink. Right. You know. And then, I'm of not, course, I'm there's Elijah's cup. I'm myself a finger bath. And if you're in charge of the Seder, Seder you get to sneak Elijah's cup. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what is that like a big goblet? It's use? a oh yeah, it's a much bigger goblet that sits in the middle All of the table. Out. And uh when you open the door to welcome Elijah in for the about in the middle of the Seder, yeah. uh suddenly the wine disappears. Really? Magically, it's empty. And uh-huh. uh I always tried to keep so an it, eye. Is it misdirection? You go, "Hey, look. Exactly. Elijah's at the door." And then, exactly. then whoever's hosting it glug 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 glug. Wow. And I tried in later years when I thought I was wise enough yeah. to know who the culprit was. Right. Um uh I either had already had too much wine and uh wasn't really paying attention. Or I was busy trying to sneak some matzah, extra matzah, which I shouldn't have. Now, at what age do the <laughs> children start partaking in the wine portion of the Seder? Well, the, the wine is uh, substituted with grape juice. Okay. So, the, so they're, they're, they're involved they're, in every aspect. In every, they're just yeah. not drinking. Yeah. And especially the youngest one, who has to pay attention for their part, the youngest child asks the four questions. Right. And those four questions are? Uh, the first one is, why is this night different from all other nights? All right. Uh, the second one, another one is why on this night do we eat bitter herbs? All right. I'm uh, watching because I, th- these should be softballs for you. You've no, been, you've because been I for a long time. I haven't been the youngest <laughs> in the room but for somebody, decades. Somebody at your house asked these questions two nights ago. Actually, we didn't have a Seder. Okay. I apologize for we that. We have not had a Seder. I've not been to a Seder in about three years. Really? So, yeah. All right. So you got two of the questions. Um, I, I could try to remember the Hebrew, which no, is what right. I would say. Manish Tanah Hazem, Mikol Halaylot, Shabachol Halaylot, Anu Ochlim, Ben Yoshvin, Uvein, Mesubin. For those of us who do not speak Hazem, Kulanu Mesubin. I think that's the one of why is this night different from all other nights. Uh, so you ask the question, and then, then there's the then response. Is the oldest or everybody else answers? Usually it? the oldest person who so is in charge the of oldest. the service. Now, wait, the oldest is also drinking more. <laughs> so how do we know that the oldest is giving the correct answer? You have no <laughs> idea. Got the, the young yeah. child. Why is this night different than other? I'll tell you something. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why this night's different. Yeah, because your grandmother. <laughs> 
So, Blame it on her. Yeah, I don't know. I, listen, I don't know what uh, what might happen. I was talking to someone the other day, mm-hmm. uh, one of the teachers, who said the first time she ever got really drunk in front of her parents was at a Passover uh, really? sale because she, she had was to drink drinking the wine. the wine, and that was the first time. It's she a lot got, of wine it when like you're wine. able to drink. And and for years, I was drinking the grape juice, and I'm going, no, I want wine. Yeah, yeah. And so the grape juice we had is. Uh, as opposed to the selection you're you can make now at the grocery store, right. they got all different kinds of yeah. no sugar, light this sugar, special... this and that. This was heavy sugar. It was like purple sugar. Oh, nice. Um, and then finally, when I got to be able to drink the wine, huh. it was very dry but sweet okay. Manischewitz wine. Yeah. And I'm like, I'd rather have the grape juice. Yeah, you know. Because this stuff is like, uh, uh, until I started to get a buzz. So do you have to do you have to use a certain type of wine, or can it be any kind of Well, wine? kosher. has to be kosher okay. for Passover. Right. See, there's two types of kosher. Mm-hmm. There's regular kosher for the entire year, and then there's kosher for Passover. Right. And there's a special uh, reason is that there's a cleaning process mm-hmm. that you have to go through, not only for where food is manufactured for, uh, for Passover, uh, but uh, also your home, and this is for for strict Orthodox right. or conservative Judaism. Right. Reformed Jews are. Did you guys sweep the floor? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> We're good. All right. Perfect. Well, that's well. Thank you for the tutorial. Sure. I was, you know, because uh, it's happened. Everything overlapped, which was very nice. The third question would be third of the four is why do on this night do we relax, but on all other nights we sit up straight and. Uh, and we're very prim and proper. Really? Um, yeah, you can true? relax. You can sit back. You can chill. You can sit on pillows if you want. You don't Where do have. You sit normally, huh? How do you sit normally? Well, you would you would sit a straight back chair at dinner and, be, oh, and behave yourself. Oh, right, oh, this at is the at dinner. dinner. Oh, okay, right. and right. you'd be very well behaved and everything. But on this night, you can you know you can lean back. You put your arm over the chair. You can get up. You can walk around. Oh, okay, okay. It's, it's a very relaxed kind of thing. Is that so, right? And that's the th- th- third. Uh, question and again i forgot i think the other is um yeah three uh, is um why I, I think it's it's the apples um uh i think it's the apples why do it's it's marore i'm actually surprised a, no one has called has texted it or called it I'm, well because they're all out finding eggs today <laughs> or recovering from their four glasses of wine i don't know for the big sale yeah i think the other one is marore and that is the the what they use to make the bricks with Ah. That's, so, um, right. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Now that we've learned all about Passover, uh, lest anyone say, hey, you forgot uh, you forgot us. No way. Well, what about your, your bow tie? Yeah, I yeah. got time. We're going to do that next. Awesome. I got that. I have a path. I know where we're going. I know you have a path. Relax. That's why I follow you. Just just relax. We're going to, yes, we got a bow tie theater review coming up on the other side. It's 720 WGN. I am a man. Yes, I am. That's right. You know what? I'm a man who doesn't mind uh, a little bit of theater in his life. A little bit of, oh, I don't know, something I didn't think I would really enjoy. It is time for another Bowtie Theater Review here on 720 WGN. Yankees part upon our foreign shore. George M. Cohan to get things started. All right. Last Tuesday, I had a great night watching tap dancing. 
I know. This seems like something uh, you would say, Brian, that doesn't sound like you. You don't seem like the tap dance kind of guy. Well, normally I would say you're probably right, but I went to see uh, Dane Perry's Tap Dogs, which was playing at the James Niederlander Theater. Now, I won't spend too much time talking about it because, unfortunately, the final performance has just ended. This is a... Uh, a show that has toured the world. It has won over 15 international awards, including an Olivier Award, an Obie Award, a Pegasus Award. Uh, it's a global smash, and they've appeared in over uh, 330 cities on six continents. It's, um, you know, I hear tap dance, and I think, you know, guys in top hats and tuxedos, or maybe the really cool film with Sammy Davis Jr. and Gregory Hines' Tap. Where, uh, you know, I, I always remember Challenge, where they challenged each other and they tapped. Well, Tap Dogs takes tap dancing to a whole new level. It's uh, urban, it's gritty, it's nonstop. It's uh, these six guys who are on an industrial kind of set. It almost looks like a construction site. And there's no no dialogue except for an occasional, hey, or you know something shouted out and they come out and it is non-stop for about 80 minutes just these guys are unbelievable athletes first of all insane dancers and they also have two musicians that are kind of uh up in a loft overlooking the overlooking the stage and they're playing drums and keyboards and uh, some synthesizer stuff, and it's just it's just phenomenal. At one point, they had one of the guys suspended upside down by ropes and a harness, and he was tap dancing upside down. It was crazy, and it's all there's a, like a hierarchy of the. It would be as if uh, you called a crew to come and roof your house, and they got to your house, and instead of putting a roof on, they just decided they were going to dance. All over your yard and all over your house. And you would think, well, I'm paying them to roof. But then you would say, I have to sit down and watch these guys dance. Because it was a blast. It would get... I was waiting waiting for a point where, knowing myself, that I'd go, all right, I've seen enough tap dance. I I did not see enough tap dance. Because everything changes. There, there's one guy who's like the foreman of the crew. And then there's... uh, like four other guys and then a young kid and the young kid takes uh you know a little uh, he gets teased you can tell he's being teased a little bit and he steps up to the challenge and then there's one guy who's always taunting one of the uh one of the other guys he thinks he's a tough guy so you get all of this through the dance without them explaining who they are or what they're doing uh there is uh, they have water at one point come down and they're tapping in the water and the water is splashing it it just it was just, it was a lot of fun so if you ever get a chance to go and see tap dogs if it comes back through here if you're in another city where you can see it um i would definitely urge you to go see this it is a lot of fun and it's not a long show as i said it's 80 minutes so you're you're in and out bing bang boom and these guys work the entire time. They are a sweaty mess by the end of the show, as you can imagine. And Ben, I'm not I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Their calves were phenomenal. Giant calves on these tap dancers. They were and there was one guy who 
didn't look, you know, if I say tap dancer, you conjure up a body type in your head of what a dancer should look like. This guy was a little bigger than, you know, the stereotypical dancer. He was hilarious. He was the guy who, uh, you know, he was going to be the overly sexy guy. Do a little twerking while he's tap dancing and some extra gyrations. And the people were going crazy. People loved him. He reminded me of Joey from, uh, uh, not from Friends, uh, Joey Fatone. Was he in Sync or New Kids on the Block? One of those boy bands. I think he was, I think he was a new kid. Or no, he was an Sinker Or a Backstreet Boy. He's one of them. Nope, your mic's not on. Hold on, there you go. Oh, there we go. Uh, I believe Fatone was in sync. It's Fatone. Well, I believe so. So this guy reminded me of Joey Fatone, that kind of body type. But he was a tap dancing fool too. They were crazy. Just it was a wonderful time. I give tap dogs three and a half bow ties out of four bow ties. Tap dogs definitely go see it. Uh, we will be uh, we'll be seeing this week. We're going to see Rock of Ages. Uh, so next week I will have a review of that. And uh, we're going to talk to Andrew Tebow, who is one of the cast members of Rock of Ages, after the 5.30 News. So we'll find out about that. It's the 10th anniversary of Rock of Ages debuting in New York, and it's been in Chicago before, and it's coming back for a very short time, one week only at the Nederlander Theater. So make sure you go see that as well. And uh, tap dogs as the, as the dogs tap their way out of town. I tip my hat to them. It was a, a wonderful, wonderful, fun night at the Theater Broadway in Chicago com for all your Broadway in Chicago show tickets. All right, let's do this. Then it'll be news time, and then we'll continue theater time. You didn't know you were coming into such a cultured place, did you, Ben? You thought I was probably going to talk about uh, people passing gas and uh, naked news and stupid stuff out of Florida and guys on meth wrestling alligators, and we still might do that. But we also have some culture. We're like an onion. There's a lot of levels of this show, and we make you cry all the time. I love it. I've, I've already gone through half the box of tissues. Yeah, see, it's yeah. phenomenal. Oh, yeah, and don't forget, folks, 6.30. Yes, the saddest Easter story ever. I say that because I, I know Roger wants to cry about that, too. So we'll do all of that. But first, this, then the news, WGN. Thank you, Pam. Brian Noonan on 720 WGN. That, uh, of course, the Joan Jett hit, I Love Rock and Roll, but that was from the soundtrack of Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages, the 10th anniversary tour, is opening in Chicago Tuesday night at the James Niederlander Theater. And Andrew Tebow plays Hertz in this tour, and he joins us now on WGN. Andrew, thanks for taking some time tonight. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. I'm excited to be here. So this is, a, this is a, for people who aren't uh, aware of what Rock of Ages is, this is a pretty big deal, tenth, the 10th anniversary tour. Give people uh, kind of an overview of what the show is. Um, well, this show is, you know, Rock of Ages captures the iconic era that was the big, bad 1980s Hollywood, the Sunset Strip. Um, it has all the iconic songs that you think you could imagine that came from the mid to late 80s, Poison, Whitesnake, Journey, Ario Speedwagon. Um, it has an amazing love story, and it's just a great night of, you know, nostalgia. <laughs> so now when, when you're coming into a show like this, and you've, you've done a lot of shows, you've been working for a long time, you come into to something like this, is there a different kind of pressure because you know the history, not only of the, the play, which opened up, and won a lot of awards on Broadway, but then there was the movie, so it, it's this iconic thing. What's what's the difference of joining that show than joining a show that 
you know, maybe people hadn't seen before. So there's not, you know, they don't know what to expect. Well, yes, Rock of Ages kind of has this cult following, too. There's a lot of diehard fans for the music and not only the story that was on Broadway, and we're bringing it, you know, to Chicago, um, and they're expecting a certain caliber. So with that, um, you know, we started rehearsals back in September, ready to take this show on the road, and I have to admit that this group of performers uh, are powerhouse vocalists. It's some of the most amazing voices I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And we have been melting faces across America, and we can't wait to melt faces in Chicago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're selling it big, Andrew. All right. I know. I'm, right. I'm just saying. It, it is a pretty amazing group, I have to say. That's very exciting. Now, you you sound like a, a young guy. Were you uh, were you around when these uh, when the songs in this show were popular, or is this something that you were learning yes. as a nostalgia no, no, I, I have to tell you, there is two of us in the show that were, uh, well, three of us, I should say, three of us that were alive and well in the 80s, um, and uh, the rest of the crew, we have been educating ah, there <laughs> about, you, go. Um, you know, what all that means and uh, how amazing this uh, music is and, you know, getting to spread that love for the 80s um, across America. Well, and... Is that is the music what I mean the music the story all the combination but what is it that really has made this show so popular for so long I think it's uh, an amazing night of theater that people can come and kind of it's escapism you can kind of get away from reality and come down to the big bad sunset strip with us um, and what's really amazing about uh, Rock of Ages is it uh, breaks the fourth wall. So the audience is like another cast member. So every night we have a different demographic, a different group of people that are ready to have a good time, and we encourage the audience to be involved in the show. So I think that's just an element of theater that happens, but it's happening on a very large scale. So when we're at the Nederlander Theater in Chicago, we are excited for people to scream out answers, to yell, to dance, to sing along with us. Um, and there's, you know, there's just nothing like it. I don't know. Encouraging, encouraging that kind of behavior could lead to some, uh, I don't know, some uh, antics. I'm sure. Well, you'd be surprised <laughs> what happens. But you know what? We've got plenty of antics happening on stage <laughs> every night. So and we're, we're happy to be spreading joy across, uh, with this show. So where are, you, where are you coming from? Because as I mentioned, this is a national tour. It's the 10th anniversary tour. You're going all over the country. I know after Chicago, I think you're heading up to Canada. But where, where are you now? I'm currently in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Ah. We actually just flew in. I just, uh, yeah, just got in. But uh, we have a one-nighter, so one show tomorrow night, <laughs> and then we drive in uh, to Chicago on Tuesday. Man, you could, boy, they don't give you guys much rest, do they? Oh, no, but this is the rock star life. We're having a good time. You know, this is, this is living the dream for me and for my cast, you know, just to perform and travel the country and with such a special show. Now you've worked you've worked regional stuff a lot. You've done uh, you've done some uh, other stuff uh, in New York. Do you like going where it's short runs like this, where it's a week here, a week there, a week there, or, or do you prefer to be? Obviously, you want to be working. That's so that goes without saying. But do you like being in one place for a longer period of time? Or yeah, I mean, with touring, you know, it's the migrant lifestyle. You know, you definitely are living out of a suitcase, but there's something uh, so special about it and unique. It's not for everybody. Honestly, most people find out within the first two weeks of their first tour if they can stomach it. Um, but I've been doing, I've been on the road for seven years. Wow. <laughs> I've, been, I've been between <laughs> Mamma Mia, Fantastics, uh, a couple of Christmas carols, and then now with Rock of Ages. 
And I, you know what? There's nothing I'd rather be doing, Brian. It's pretty amazing. And the, the, the joy of bringing a show um, to a different group of people every night and maybe a different city every night, the, you know, the jokes land differently. The songs ring true differently to each audience. And it's, it's a pretty amazing experience. Is, that a, is it regional differences, or is it even in the Midwest, can it be city to city, what works and what doesn't from, say, Grand yeah, Rapids? No, to yeah, here? very much so. From Grand Rapids, we'll notice a difference from the crowd tonight, on, uh, or tomorrow night on a Monday night, to the Tuesday night, opening night crowd in Chicago. Uh, maybe we'll fly to Texas the next day and have a completely different reaction. Um, I mean, the, the, the ultimate result, though, usually with Rock of Ages, we have the entire audience up on their feet at the end of the night dancing with us to Journeys Don't Stop Believing. So regardless, every audience is having a good time, and we're hoping Chicago's going to have a good time, too. Oh, I know we are. I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, you look at the, the list of songs, and every song on there is a huge hit. Because I was talking to, oh, yeah. to Ben, the producer, I said, oh, I need some, I need some music from the soundtrack to, to <laughs> introduce Andrew. And it's like, is there a song that you prefer? I'm like, no, any song off there is one that, one, I grew up listening to and that I love, so yeah. it's, it's not yeah. going to matter. And what's so amazing about this show is that the, the way they've constructed the songs, it's like 32 bars or about, you know, 30 seconds or maybe a minute of each song that you loved and, you know, you knew the chorus to. We, it's trickled in, and it may only last for about a minute, and then it disappears and we're on to another song. And it's, that's the genius of Rock of Ages, is I think the way they have orchestrated the music to give everybody a taste of every song that they love, um, it's there, it's in the show, and, uh, you know, we're bringing life to it. And there's there's a love story at the heart of this. It's not just, oh, look, there's people singing songs from the 80s. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes, Drew and Sherry. I mean, it's kind of the, the country girl coming to the big city to be a star, and the young boy who wants to be a rock star, they meet, they fall in love. Um, I mean, the story actually has a lot of heart, and one of the messages that we hope that every audience leaves with at the end of the night is that the dream that you came in with is maybe not the dream that you're going to leave with, but the dream still rocks. Very nice. Uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty beautiful. It's pretty, you know, weirdly poetic in That's this, deep, you know, Ball Jukebox show. I know, I know. And it's one of the best lines in the show um, that is said, and it's, it's true, you know. And every night we ask the audience, you know, you know, there's not a single person in here that got what they wanted and some lovable person goes i did <laughs> something and and we all laugh and and that's what it's about you know it's about the love and the journey you know at the end of the day and who is hertz that's your character correct? oh so uh, yes i play hertz Kleiman. um my son is franz and um our little story is we are the germans uh the real estate developers basically the big bad villain coming oh, no. to the sunset strip yeah we're coming to destroy the strip and, you know, put up high-rises, bring in the Foot Locker, athletic stores, Ooh. and get rid of the small business. Um, but you know what? We, I have an amazing time every night. My scene partner, uh, Chris Reynolds, we have this amazing journey I get to go on. You know, I come in as the stiff, rigid German, and at the end, I'm crying <laughs> and singing and loving my son for who he is and um, what he wants to do in life. And not maybe my dream, but it's what he wants to do. You know, it's a pretty special message that we get to bring out every night, too. So the German gets woke by the end. Very nice. Yes, well, I get woke, and I get to sing some Ario Speedwagon, so you know it's my Perfect. dream. Perfect. <laughs> Very nice. I, I love Ario. Uh, so is, yeah. is there a joy to playing the villain? It, you know, I hear that, you hear that a lot from actors. Oh, there's, there's something about playing a villain that is so much fun. 
You know, what's really interesting is I, uh, if you look at my resume, I usually play the jovial good guy. Everybody loves him. And it's been kind of viciously fun to play this character that <laughs> I get excited when I, there's a few lines that I deliver, I will get an audible boo from the audience. And if I get that boo, I think, wow, I've done my job. Very nice. <laughs> so, there's nothing like a true justification. If, they, if, they're, if they're mad at me, um, I've definitely made them see that I'm a monster in the show. But what's <laughs> cool is I get, to, I get to get them back on my side towards the end, which is a fun little uh, journey that I get to go on every night. That is excellent. Did you, did you see the movie? No, you know what? I'm gonna honest to God tell you, I didn't see the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, it's part of the franchise. It's cool. The story is very different. For those of you that are listening and that you've seen the movie and you love the movie, that's awesome. Come see our show. Uh, the Broadway show is the same music. And the story is just slightly different. It was okay. adapted to screen, um, and they took some liberties. Uh, but I have to say, my my favorite thing is that this Broadway show is pretty stellar. So I hope you guys come and check it out. And the the guy who wrote the book for the broadway show also wrote the movie so it it was the same as you mentioned it's all part of the franchise yes he helped he helped adapt it yeah and it's pretty cool it's a big franchise in the company itself actually there's uh it's happening right now uh there's an off-broadway production of rock of ages that's going to be mounted in new york so um you know come and check us out come see this show that is has a lot of energy and a lot of life to it and um it's still going strong well we are looking forward to it a rock of ages the 10th anniversary tour comes to the james nederlander theater opening tuesday it runs through the 28th of april uh andrew tebow plays uh heard still you know I, we may have to boo you a little at some of those uh, some yeah. of your lines, but we will wait. We will it's wait true. for your awakening <laughs> at the end and your reversal yes. of fortunes. We will look forward to it. I'm, uh, have a have a uh, fun night in Grand Rapids. Have a safe trip to Chicago and have a uh, wonderful time here. It's a, you you picked a good week to come. It's actually going to be nice weather. Yeah, the weather looks good. I can't wait. Yes. So you can, have you been here before? I actually lived in Chicago for five years. I lived in Wicker Park. Okay, so this is a nice little homecoming for you. Yeah, it'll be a cool little journey to come back. I'm a New Yorker now. I guess I can say that uh, yeah, legitimately. Yeah, yeah. But um, but I, but I'm excited to come back to Chicago. It's one of my favorite cities in the country. How long do you have to live in New York before you are a New Yorker? Well, technically, it's ten to fifteen years, and I've hit that cusp. So <laughs> we're good go. to go. So you are official. <laughs> well, Andrew, it was great talking to you. We look forward to seeing you uh, this week in Rock of Ages, the tenth anniversary tour. Have a uh, great trip in, and we'll uh, we'll talk again. All right. Thank you, Brian. Have a good night. Thanks. You too, Andrew. That's Andrew Tebow. He plays Hertz in Rock of Ages. You can go to broadwayinchicago.com to get your tickets. The show opens Tuesday. It runs through the week. Short time here, but if you're a Rock of Ages fan, get over to the Nederlander, uh, which is still my favorite theater physically of uh, all the great Broadway and Chicago venues. The Cadillac Palace is wonderful. The Broadway Playhouse is a lot of fun for small shows, but there's something about the Nederlander uh, the architecture, the design, the decorations—it is a—it uh, is a wonderful, wonderful place to see a show. So I am excited. I'll tell you how the show was when uh, we do the Bowtie Theater Review next week. I'm sure it's going to be fun. If nothing else, I can't wait to, to hear Andrew sing Ario. Because yesterday I was listening to something, and I was listening to a Kevin Cronin interview, and I was like, I remember how much I loved Ario Speedwagon back in the day. Now, uh, you know, I liked them before High Infidelity. But when High Infidelity hit, I was with my first girlfriend in high school. Oh, my goodness. That was uh, that album holds special meaning, as does the band. So looking forward to all the great 80s music. BroadwayInChicago.com. Get your tickets for the show. Let's do this, and then I'll tell you why you shouldn't be eating toast 
boy, oh boy, we switch lanes fast here on WGN. I am not a sharp-dressed man today, because I figured it's radio. <laughs> not that I didn't want to dress up for you, Ben. I knew you were coming, so I wanted to, you know, I always try to look presentable, but nah, I didn't uh, I didn't worry about it too much. Yeah, then he remembered I was here, and he says, oh, I forgot. Oh, it. no, I yeah. forgot you were here. Hi, Roger. How are you? Oh, hi. Good. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> All right. I made some toast today. To go with our I little... I love toast. What are you going to tell me, that I have to stop eating yeah, toast? Yeah, I don't eat toast. Well, I toasted a muffin, because I, I didn't have... We did a little uh, We did a little Easter brunch at home, because I had to come here. So the, my wife made a lovely egg bacon. I got uh, got some smoked salmon and a little cream cheese, and I sliced up an onion real thin. But uh, I didn't buy bagels, and I didn't have... So I toasted an English muffin. Nothing and I, wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. I put, put my schmear on there, Roger. Mm-hmm. I know you'd appreciate Ooh, that. Look at that. A little schmear. Yeah. And then uh, my smoked salmon and uh, some onion. Oh, man, I was living large. Mm-hmm. Living large. And then I saw this, and I was like, oh, boy. Toast. The greatest influence on air pollution. What? That's right. That's right. You are if you... And I toast something every day. So I am probably... I should just burn tires in my backyard. That's I, how horrible I'm being to the environment. Every morning... Four slices of toast with my coffee. Four? That's excessive. Four, well, it's a we have a toaster of, that it's a four slice toaster. Right, but you know you don't have to fill all the slots. Well, I do. I it's a four cork slices of mine. Of toast. Yeah, four what do you slices put on there? of just gluten free cinnamon raisin toast. Cinnamon raisin. You yeah. put a little butter on there. I put some butter on each slice. Yeah, sure, a little butter. And I have my coffee. All right, four pieces of toast. They're not like huge slices. We we it's, all it's know a the smaller size of a than, slice of bread. Yeah, but this this the this loaf, the gluten free loaf. There are smaller slices than like a regular loaf of regular bread. Is it bigger than a cocktail loaf of bread? A loaf of no, it's in between a cocktail. Uh It's between a Rubschlager and Uh uh, and a um, a regular regular piece of bread. A wonder bread. Yeah. At three yeah. in the morning when I'm yeah. in bed and the wholesome bakers are baking bread? Yeah. It's, so it's smaller than that? Yeah, it's in between. Mm-hmm. All right. Fantastic. Well, a new study from the University of Texas at Austin, which, you know, when you're in there, you're not running from a shooter up in the tower. <laughs> That's I, what did you? That's right. How do I go all the way back to Charles Whitman? Really? How do I go way back to the, the darkest day in UT history? How do I bring that up? I don't know. That is the most... Because anytime I think of <laughs> University of Texas at Austin, I think of Charles Whitman and the Whitman Sampler. What? Wait, how does not, all this... They're not, com- they're not connected at I know. all, is my point. But it goes back to me not getting candy today, hence the Whitman <laughs> Sampler, hence I feel like somebody should shoot me, then Charles Whitman's on a tower, and suddenly I'm a longhorn. Anyway... And you're reading about a study about toast. Right. That's <laughs> how it all ties together. It's a method to his madness. Toasters, candles, and other household smoke makers expose people to more air pollution than standing in a busy intersection. Hmm? Hmm? I don't think so. Well, you don't have to think so. This is science. <laughs> the most dangerous of these is toasters. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which immediately send toxic particles into the air once they're turned on, just like me. Once, once you're I'm turned turn, on. Once I'm turned on, I send a lot of particles into the air. And it's not good for anybody. You might as well stand in an intersection rather than stand next to me. <laughs> Burnt toast is particularly harmful. Do you burn your toast, Roger? Um, eh, Just about half. It's It's got to get browned. I, well, I've got to see that listen, the toaster has done its thing. Maybe you save yourself a little toxic particles by uh, a few. Uh, doing what researchers suggest and just only heating it to a light crisp. Yeah. 
Just a little bit. Doesn't have to be brown, just lightly crisp. Okay. I don't trust toast that's not brown. Well, but, but if it's too brown, it's starting to burn. Right, you don't it, want to burn. It, does, it has that bad taste. Then you got to do it. Then you got to do what my mom would do because she didn't want to put a new piece of toast in. She just take it, hold it over the sink like everybody, and scrape, take yeah. a knife and scrape it. Yeah, yeah scrape all, scrape all the burn off. Sure, mm, man. No, that Thanks. doesn't taste good. Thanks, mom. Very high maintenance. <laughs> yum yum. That's terrific. That's just why I just love burnt toast. Plus, then then it's all falling apart. Burnt toast, uh, I told you, particularly harmful. Other culprits include house cleaners, air purifiers, and sprays. Cooking activities like roasting and frying can also pollute the air in your home. So what are we supposed to do? Not eat? Not <laughs> just go out to eat? Imagine how many uh, toxic particles are being put out at like a breakfast joint then. Because they're doing toast nonstop all day. A waffle house or something like that. So anyway, Ooh, waffles. <sighs> well, it doesn't say anything bad about waffles. Just toasters. Uh, oh, okay. Roger three one two. Very concerned. Roger's not going to lose weight by having sugary carbs first thing in the morning. Try a couple of eggs. Dietitians well, every couple of days. I'll have a couple of eggs. Now texting in to yeah. give you the update. I'll follow the uh, listeners' uh, suggestions. I, I want to be healthy. That just at four seems. Uh, if you had said I have two pieces of toast. Mm-hmm. It seems like a uh, you know that's well, a, a typical order of toast if you right, go you, out to, you go out somewhere. You, you like can, eggs, right? Sure, I love eggs. Okay, so I like over easy. Ugh. Okay, why? I don't like a runny yolk. I see, and I like that because that's why you have the toast. Oh, sop up your easy. Exactly. Toast. Yeah, toast to so up. I have four eggs over easy. You need a slice of toast for each one. You need it or you want it. You this is something I try to, uh, try to discern with the children. You need it. You, you need, you need, you need so you it. Could not, so you're telling me mm-hmm. when you say I need it, yes. that you could not right. physically eat the eggs without one with a one to one without a one to one ratio toast to egg. You could no. not eat it. No, because there, um, there's no. going to be something left not to be able to clean it up. You don't want to eat it that way. You could. I, eat I need to eat it that way because I want to make sure I clear my plate. There are people in this world <laughs> who are starving, and if I don't clean my plate, they will continue to starve. Maybe have two I eggs. Wait, not maybe waste just not eat two not. eggs. Huh? Maybe just well, eat that's two like, eggs. That's like why am I even getting up for breakfast in the morning then? If I'm only having <laughs> two, come on. What are you a lumberjack? <laughs> and I'm okay. Oh, I got to eat seventy-eight <laughs> eggs, four pounds of bacon, three <laughs> sausages. And a ham, and then I need four loaves of bread because there's, you know, there's some ham juice. Yeah, that's on a right. And if I don't clean it all up, that's crazy talk. <laughs> that's crazy talk now. All right, well, no crazier than some of the other things we're going to talk about, but we'll have to do that after the news. Uh, after the news, uh, we've got tying into the Rock of Ages. We have some of uh, the most politically incorrect songs of all time. After six thirty, the saddest Easter story ever. That's right, Roger. I saved it for when you were here because oh, I know you the, know I need my fix. I know you love the holiday classics. Uh, so all of that and so much more in the final hour of the big broadcast. Yes, Rolling Stones. Mick Jagger supposedly doing well after his surgery. Had a stent put in his heart. Uh, hang on to your tickets. If you have tickets like I do for the Stones show, they're gonna, uh, they'll be back. Gotta be back. And that song made a list. We'll talk about what list that song made. It's a dubious list. Oh, boy. A list, uh, you know, where we put modern day thoughts and principles on the past. 
where we put today's guidelines on yesterday's news. I don't know how, what that means. Uh, I wanted to talk about this because we were supposed to have a guest um, on now. Uh, my friend Tim Taylor was going to join us. He's one of the hosts of Windy City Irish Radio. He's also a board member of the Irish American Hall of Fame, uh, of which I am happy to be a, a board member and the uh, MC. Uh, of the gala this is my the hall of fame induction gala is next saturday the 27th at the irish american hall of fame and i've had the pleasure of being the host of that gala for the last this will be my fourth year uh which is where this clip came from i want to thank brian noonan for going on yes that's right I made Bill Murray laugh, which was probably the highlight of my life. I should have actually walked off a bridge that night because nothing's ever going to get any better. But I didn't, so I'm still here. Well, anyway, um, there was a family emergency, so Tim can't be here. But I did want to just mention that the Irish American Hall of Fame induction gala is next week. And once again, we are putting in an unbelievable, unbelievable uh, slate of inductees. Pat Roach, who in the Arts and Humanities category, who basically... Um, developed Irish dancing not only in Chicago but worldwide. Pat Roach is the the godfather of Irish dance. So he is being inducted. James J. O'Connor, uh he's a retired chairman and CEO of Unicom. Uh he also was with uh ComEd. He's uh been in a uh, uh, the the Big Shoulders Fund. He was one of the founders of that that supports inner city Catholic schools. Wonderful man in the business and industry category. Dorothy Day, an American journalist and activist is being inducted in the public service category as is Senator John McCain. Uh this year he is uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame in the sports category. Uh, former Blackhawk, former New Jersey Devil, and member of the 1980 Miracle on Ice team, Jack O'Callaghan is being inducted. Uh, Reverend Scott Donahue, the uh, the man behind Mercy Home for Boys and Girls, is being inducted. Mother Mary Gerald Berry, uh, a nun, she was the Prioress General of the Adrian Dominican Sisters. Kay McNulty is being in. She's an Irish-American computer programmer, one of the six original programmers of the first general-purpose electronic digital computer. Not too bad. And then we have a hometown hero, as we do every year, Fiona McEntee. She is a, uh, an immigration... She deals exclusively in handling U.S. immigration matters. So she was one of the lawyers who was at the airport when that was going on. She does a lot of work with uh, Irish immigrants as well as uh, other immigrants as well. So it is going to be an unbelievable night at the Irish American Hall of Fame. And uh, I'll report back if there's any... You know, you rem- I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, the Cardinal was there, didn't appreciate my, my uh, sense of humor, glared at me the entire night. I uh, still, still haven't gotten to the bottom of that. Not sure what happened there. Uh, you know, I'm dressed nicely. I don't swear. I rarely expose myself. So I don't know what the, what the issue was. But there's, it's always a fun night. Was it uh, something you, a joke you tried to uh, I don't, take? That made... I, I don't believe so. Um, maybe. Maybe there was. Uh, maybe I asked for a dispensation of, of, about something. You know, one of my many uh, sins. Right. Asked me to cut, you know, cut me a break. Maybe give me a uh, you know, friends and family discount. Oh, that's where maybe right. only yeah, that twenty, nice. maybe my sins were counted twenty percent less. Yeah, because I because I have an in. I didn't. Go, maybe that's maybe that's what it was. Did you forget to list him in? You know how you have to recognize? Oh, no. all the people all night oh, long. Please, he was down. He was d- down front. Oh, right, right there, front, you couldn't center. miss him. Yeah. Well, that's how I knew he was. Uh, you know. Yeah. 
And what was the deal with Bill Murray again? Did, uh, Bill Murray was inducted into right, the Hall right, of Fame. Right, right, right. But uh, didn't you kind of Bill Murray was there? Say something he you didn't. Hey, now. Uh, <laughs> you know. Okay. Are you, are you? Yes, I made a mistake, and is in uh, when I was uh, reading his all his biographical information. Oh, he had a ton. And, and I sure. corrected it. Yeah. Uh, because we had just here's what happened, Roger. Since you want to throw <laughs> me under the bus, want to you know forget the fact that uh, you know I have uh, I have this for all eternity. I want to thank Brian Noonan for going on. Yes. And I have the video of of he and I, and I have pictures, and I have I have him telling me that this was not a big deal. Right. Uh, we had, I had just read all this information about Audie Murphy. Oh, the big movie just, star. Yes, yeah. I had just read uh, a huge thing about Audie Murphy, and we segued right into Bill Murray. Now, Murray and Murphy sound very similar. Extremely similar. Yeah, so. exactly. Anyone could have right. messed up and I'm the words. Reading, I'm reading about one of my comedic idols right. who's sitting right there. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at him. He's smiling, unlike the Cardinal. He's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> He's appreciating me with his brothers and his family. Yeah. And I was I was reading about he was born to and I mentioned his parents' name and I said Ba-da-da-da, Mur- Murphy. Oops. And I caught myself immediately and his brother they were all joking. They're like, Hey, come on. And I corrected myself and then I felt so awful about it. Yeah. And I made a, a self deprecating joke on the spot, you know. Curl, he he would appreciate it. He did. Yeah. And I went uh, afterwards I said, I'm really sorry. He goes, About what? He said, You're up there talking nonstop. Aww. He said, Don't you know don't worry about it. That's very cool. That was right. All right. That's so. like that would make a lifetime of gotchas. Yeah, you know, you know what? yeah, sure. I, I try to put that behind me and then <laughs> thank you, you bring it back up. <laughs> Thank you. Make sure everything else has no, 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 everything all the information. I, well, that, that's really not crucial information. <laughs> not crucial information. Okay. It's it's but it all worked out. You know, yeah. I want to see, listen. Good luck <laughs> if you're ever in a tuxedo in front of a room full of hundreds oh, of people I've had to. introducing yeah. introducing your idol and uh, you know, you don't make a little uh, a little error. Yeah. I haven't had that opportunity that that well, that's, uh, that kind of level of introduction. All right. You know, I'm I got, you know, here's Joe Schmo from Kokomo. Well, and listen, and I'm, I'll be honest. I'm yeah. intimidated by every every inductee that I've uh, introduced has been f- you know, these these people, I, I look at their resumes and hear what they've done and watch the tribute videos, and I go, yeah, I don't even know why I'm on this planet. <laughs> There's really really not much use for me here. When you got these people, they're doing, you know, they pretty much got things covered. Right. You know, I look okay dressed up, but, you know, as Roger will point out, I might make a mistake now and then. So, you know, what's the point of even having me around? That's the, that, That's the thing, Ben. You know, you try to get past it. Nobody lets you live it down. That's the thing. Mr. Four Pieces of Toast every morning going to point out my one little mistake. Which, listen, I cop to it that I cop to it immediately. I don't try to cover it up. I'm not and you like were a guy professional who's eating, in I'm doing it, too. I'm not like a guy too. who's eating ten pieces of toast telling people he eats four <laughs> pieces of toast. That's not me. That's not what I do. I don't lash out to make myself feel better. Sometimes you know? I have extra toast in the evening. Of course you do. Course. man who likes toast. Yeah. You and Jake Blue's. Or no, Elwood. Oh, Elwood, Elwood liked, Blues, Elwood yeah. liked the toast. Yeah. <laughs> dry but he only had Dry white toast. Yeah, dry white toast. He only had two pieces, I think. Are you sure? I think the, when they were in the room, the bedroom, I think he only had a, a toaster for uh, two, now do, now a two, a flip have, grill kind of thing. It was a hot plate. It was, it was a, a hot plate. plate. Yeah, with he the, just flipped yeah, it over. Yeah. yeah. Now, are you gonna, do you have a story about Dan Ackward making a mistake during rehearsal that you want to share? Never. All right, fantastic. Don't get on my list. 
The list of rock and roll. So anyway, yeah. unfortunately, you can't come to the gala uh, because it's sold out. So <laughs> that's why it's a gala. It is a gala. Yeah. It is a gala. It'll be, uh, you know, got got my tux ready. Sweet. Uh, what kind of bow tie? Green bow tie? No, uh, no. I have a black bow tie with small shamrocks on it. Oh, nice! Because I went uh, black bow tie the first couple of years, uh-huh. just straight up. Well, black. It had a little, you know, black on black. It was very nice. Oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, last year, I wanted to dress it up a little bit, so I went with the I uh, got a, the black with little green shamrocks. Mm-hmm. Just a straight up black cummerbund, though. I'm not a carnival barker. <laughs> This is a, you know, I'm not going to jungles. It is a formal. I'm not doing, right, I'm not doing yeah. tabletop magic somewhere. No, no. <laughs> you know. And now, watch me pull right. the cover off this table. I am, <laughs> I am entertaining, but I am not a Vegas entertainer. There so there, nothing is, I'm not pulling anything out of my sleeves or other parts of my body. <laughs> I am just going to go up there and do my business, because it's not about me. No. It's, a, it's not. It's about these phenomenal inductees, so yeah. it should be a good night. Um, so there you go. You can awesome. go to... I, IAHOF.org to get all the information and to see uh, some pictures from various uh, past years and things. Oh, and right on that page, there's a picture of Bill Murray getting inducted. Oh, cool. Not with me, though. Anyway, (laughs) I have those pictures. Rock and Roll's most politically incorrect songs. You know, we've uh, times have changed. Mm -hmm. We have evolved. We are now, as the kids like to say, we are woke. I feel woke. uh, You know, every morning the alarm goes off, I feel more and more woke. I just, uh, I I know what's going on in the world, and so I try to be sensitive to all of that. Well, back in the day of early, or the early days of rock and roll, we were not as woke. We did, uh, we said and did whatever we wanted. You know? And you you can argue... Whether that was better or not, but the genre has cultivated a racy reputation from day one. About rock, rock and roll has. Uh, there are plenty of eyebrow-raising rock songs still maintain their decency. Many rock and roll classics that were beloved would almost certainly stoke controversy today for content that runs the gamut of tastelessness. And I always have trouble with this. Um, now, for the most part, we're still playing these songs, which is fine. Uh, maybe. Because th- this is just the content of the song may not be uh, in the sensibilities of what we do today. Now, does that mean that uh, songs by people who are convicted of horrendous acts or accused of horrendous acts, like Michael Jackson or R. Kelly? Eh, I don't. I didn't really. You know, would I still listen to them? Eh, not not really. But would I still listen to some of the songs on this list? Yeah, probably. Uh, let's do a couple, and then we'll take a quick break and um, hear some more. But let's start off. Now, when, Roger, you're old enough to remember. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Beatles, the British Invasion, the mm-hmm. Beatles burst on the scene. Clean-cut young boys, right? Or oh, so we thought. Tops. Or so we thought, exactly. Yeah. Then they release this song, I Saw Her Standing There. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, five! Listen to the first line. Well, she was just 17. You know what I mean. Hmm, do we know what you mean, John? And if we do know what you mean, should we know what you mean? Because she was just 17. So she was, uh... But again, young. most of us were younger than that, and, and so we're, we're thinking... Not, and the Beatles were not much older than 17 when exactly. they were Exactly. So if you're 20 and you're singing a song about a 17-year-old, it's not bad. But now, because we're Judgy McJudgensteins, mm-hmm. we look back and say, 
1963, a 21-year-old man sang a song about a 17-year-old girl, and that's just wrong. Well, our, now we have to go back and let's look at the statute of limitations or the uh, the age of consent mm-hmm. in Britain in 1960. Let's say one or two when John Lennon wrote this song. Okay. And then, okay, now we have a flowchart. Well, if oh. John Lennon was this age and the girl was 17, well, oh, look, it all everything equals out. So suddenly the song is not bad. But now, you know, now if a 30-year-old guy comes out and starts singing a new song about, you know, uh, so you moved by McDonald's, you were just getting out of sixth grade, it made me crazy. That's, that's probably not a good song. Yeah, no. that's, that's a creepy song. <laughs> Plus, my instrumentation was way off. Yeah. Because I was just doing air bass, and that oh, never sounds okay. good. So, You're just laying a single track down, just sure. to, well. Yeah, this yeah. is that we build for the beat, right? Yeah. Then, uh, then we come in, and I, you know, somebody comes in, we do some harmonies and right. all. I'm just laying down a rough track, okay, I as they you. call it yeah. in the business. I don't know if that's what they call it in the business. <laughs> I so can, I can see the, the fingerings from the booth. It looked like it. <laughs> wow, easy. I don't want HR getting down here. Easy right, does we'll it. We'll do. We'll do a couple more of these songs <laughs> on the other side, and after six thirty, it's the saddest Easter story ever on WGN. They're really rocking in Boston and Pittsburgh, PA, deep in the heart of Texas and around the Triple Bay. Oh, Chuck Berry. All over St. Louis and down in New Orleans, all the cats wanna dance with sweet little Dixie. Who stole this? Did the Beach Boys steal this, or did Chuck Berry steal this? <laughs> Chuck Berry had it before the. Yeah, it's the, before the Beach Boys, yeah, right? I think yeah, so. all right. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's another song on our 20 of rock and roll's most politically incorrect songs. Beatles fans uh, jumping in to defend the Beatles, which we did. Uh, they, somebody from the 608, good point, that was Paul, not John, singing. Uh, I saw her standing there, even though it technically was a Lennon-McCartney song. Uh, another one that came up, somebody texted in, a uh, different 630 texter, and I was looking to see if this one was on the list. Uh, was it another Beatles song? It's a Ringo song. You're oh. 16. You're beautiful in your mind. She said, that, "Oh yeah, that creeped me out because I was 16 and Ringo was old enough to be my dad." Yeah, it is on the list. It is on the list, but Uh-oh. it's under the original artist, which is who did it first? I believe. Oh, it's a rockabilly song. I think, isn't it? Oh, Johnny uh, Burnett. Johnny Burnett. Johnny yeah. Burnett. Let's hear a little of it, Ben. Do we have it? Sure, we do. You're very yeah. prepared. Maybe not. No, he is. Yeah, unless you're 17 singing this song, it's creepy. And it is not, you know, even of that time. And I know, listen, I know Jerry Lee Lewis uh, married his cousin, and I know Elvis. Uh, you know, was romancing a 14-year-old Priscilla. But still, it's uh, it's creepy. And Chuck Berry's Sweet Little 16 that we jump bumped back with, the questionable lyrics, Sweet Little 16, she's got the grown-up blues, tight dresses and lipstick, she's sporting high heel shoes. Creepy. It is, it's very creepy. And again, even, listen, even not using today's standards, didn't anybody back then go, hey, fellas, what's with all the singing about little girls? Nobody. Because, did that back then seriously right because it wasn't you know as we mentioned with the beatles they were young guys writing those songs so they weren't very far removed from being 17 you know yeah even then you go all right you're 23 24 17 uh, 
But when you're, you know, Chuck Berry was, I don't think Chuck Berry was ever young. Chuck Berry, <laughs> Chuck Berry always, I think Chuck Berry was born an old man. And, <laughs> no, uh, no I, I like Chuck Berry, I know. you know, but Chuck Berry had other, you know, there's other reasons to wonder he if was, Chuck Berry was a he little... He was uh, old beyond his years. Right, and a little yeah. a little creepy beyond his yeah. uh, beyond his years. Mm. Uh, let's see. What's see, next? But uh, see, they were aiming all this music back then. These were the teeny boppers. These, these were kids who were from like 10 to 19, maybe 20. And and all, right. they were all listening to these songs. So and, they were all singing along. Right. And, no, and I know nobody thought... Boy, the guy singing this is, you know, 58. Yeah, that, that wasn't the take on it back then. Well, it's I know, and that's why but it's now hard that we're to older, put things in. That's hard, it's hard to put the past under the current microscope yeah. and get a, a, a read. How about uh, the Dire Straits song from 1985? Big, big hit for Dire Straits on uh, MTV and everywhere else. Money for nothing. If you don't remember what would uh, they're they're not singing about young girls, but I just had to let that riff go. Pam just went, yeah, yeah, because that's one of the great rock riffs. I know it's it, it, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> However, Mark Knopfler made a, a number of uh, used the uh, gay slurs throughout the song. <laughs> you know, people with their earrings and their mink coats. Pam says she changed the uh, offensive words to something else, so she's okay with the song. Well, sure, if you if you're singing it to yourself, but that yeah, those opening riffs are like oh yeah, unbelievable, classic. Yeah. So it's not all about uh, you know little girls. Sometimes it's just offensive, uh, offensive language. And if you really think about a lot of the rock and roll music, a lot of it because most were guys uh, uh, singing. Yes. Uh, it, that they a lot of the music was sexually oriented. Sure, it was. Uh, let me. For, all right. How about uh, how about Jimi Hendrix? You got that one up from 1966 because we're running out of time. So we'll end with this one. Um, about why would this be politically incorrect for 500, Roger? That's right, he's going down to shoot his old lady. Yeah. Because he caught her messing around with another man. You can't talk about uh, murdering your old lady anymore. That's why uh, I used to love her, but I had to kill her from Guns N' Roses. Never got big airplay. <laughs> Just, you know, Gary, you don't really want people singing about murdering their, uh, murdering their loved ones. How long is that list? Because I can... Th- this one has twenty some songs. Oh my God! There's, I'll bet you that I could give you a list of a hundred. Uh, Seriously, somebody texted in from the three three one. Virtually every song by Gary Puckett in the Union yes. Gap would qualify today. Young girl, get out of my mind. Gary's on this list for. Uh, I think that's the one. Young girl is on there, and there's a couple of others. Uh, the yes, police. Young girl is on there. Kiss, of course, is on the list a couple of times. Uh, there was an era when it was common for our friends' dads to leer at us teenagers and comment on our figures from the 630. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Roger. Yeah, I miss those times. But again, Easy, back Roger. then, we loved the melody, we loved the singing. I didn't think much of the word. I, I can't remember lyrics. Uh, I can't even remember my own that's age. That, that but, sets you apart. But, it, but, and a lot of people did know all the lyrics sure they back did. then. But again, you didn't hear anyone going, hey, you know, I heard this in a song, and hey, this is, I'm going to go do this. It, it, nobody did that. Nobody said that. Well, now, thank goodness, we are more 
cognizant of other people's feelings and mm-hmm. what may be construed as rightfully or uh, erroneously something that is politically incorrect. And that's what I'm here to point out, the politically incorrect, and praise it and try to preserve it. No, that, that's probably <laughs> no, not, no. That's probably not the tact I should have taken. No. Uh, you know what it's time for? It's time for the news. And after the news, you know what it's time for? Oh, yes, the holiday classic, the saddest Easter story ever. That Genesis song was on our list of politically incorrect songs as well. Hmm. All right. Brian Noonan here until 7, and then Karen Conti comes in to take you until 9 o'clock. There will be a lot of legal things to discuss, I am sure, as there always are. Uh, Roger, why did you have to, uh, why did you stress the, did you have a bet with someone about the degrees along the lake? Oh, no, because as I was you, saying, you know, the temperature, my right. my uh, uh, tongue, my teeth got in the way of my tongue. And so I felt that I had, uh, I had misspoke the uh, temperature. I want to well, make sure 56, it was clear. 56 along the lake. Yeah. That was, uh, it's about 20 degrees lower than it was when I came. Oh, really? Well, when I turned when I turned off fifty five on a Lakeshore Drive, it was seventy three. By the time I drove up Columbus, it was sixty seven. So uh, wow, much cooler. Big drop, yeah. As they say, as Tom Skinner would say, it's lake. cooler along the lake. Yeah, right. Which is crazy. But I thought and the way I've you stressed it. I've yet to find it, that cooler, but you know, I'm not even going to dignify <laughs> that one with uh, with a response. I'm just going to let you <laughs> stew in your own shame. Uh, because, Still uh, yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's, no, no, no. You, that's this is new shame. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's sometimes it's just really uh, that doesn't uh, that doesn't even deserve a rim shot. That, that, that just just a, a shot. No, just an explosion. That <laughs> just uh, I don't know what that deserves. Just uh, you know, I have found. Okay, that's not it. No, to do stop. This that's not it. This is, uh, I had a spasm. <laughs> your your joke was so bad it gave me a spasm. That's what happened. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, yeah, I uh, had a little panic. All right, well, you know, uh, it seems like uh, every holiday <laughs> I have some story of woe. <laughs> yes. Um, and unfortunately for me, they are all true. Because being the oldest in my family, I have been the, uh, as most oldest kids are, I was the guinea pig. And uh, so Easter... Easter is about the same uh, as well Halloween. You know, you know my Halloween story. Yeah. But I started telling this story, and uh, now it is. Uh, I actually had people requesting it last week. Hey, are you going to tell the wow. the Easter story, the saddest Easter story ever? Ever. Well, I believe it is the saddest Easter story ever. You could judge for yourself. Um, but it, it is all true. Is it embellished a little bit? I wish I could say yes, but I don't really think it is. You could judge for yourself. Uh, right now, I'm sure my mom is getting calls from her friends going, Oh my God, he's going to tell that story again, Patsy. What are you going to do? So, uh, well, here it is. So, let's set the stage, Roger. The year, and I'm I'm a little sketchy on the exact, I'm within a year, plus or minus. So of when I, this happened. Yeah. Of when this happened. Yeah. I'm guessing the year was 1974 or 75. And it was a very good year. Well, no, it wasn't. Except for this. I don't know, because I was in fourth or fifth grade. Okay. It's Holy Thursday night. We had had our dinner, and uh, for some reason, not for some reason, my mom made a ham, because that's a traditional meal. Yeah. People love ham. The only problem is I have never, never liked ham. Never. Oh, really? I don't. Yes, let me tell the story. You've heard it before. 
I've never, I don't believe, uh, you know, my mom always made the, the, the ham with all the brown sugar and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Brown sugar, pineapple, the whole nine. Right. I don't believe meat should be sweet. So I never, and I, so I never liked ham. This was not, this was not something new in my house. This was a well-known fact. As the oldest of five, the firstborn son, it was known that I did not like ham. Now, up until this point, my dad loved ham. My brothers all ate ham. My mom liked ham, as far as I know. So whenever she would cook ham, I just wouldn't eat it. I would not make a big stink. There was no protestations. I didn't make up a Norma Ray-like signs and stand on the table. I just wouldn't eat it. I would dabble in some of the side dishes, etc. Well, how do you like that music, though? That's, that's, that's awesome. good music. That's I'm crying. That's already. good music for the saddest Easter story ever. So, this this particular Holy Thursday, I think my mom had pretty much had it uh, with her life, because <laughs> now she's she was surrounded every day. I'll, I'll give her her props. Every day she was outgunned, she was outmanned, she was outnumbered. It was six men to one woman in this house, and I can only speak for my brothers and I. We were animals. The five of us, you know, I'll let my dad, you know, I'll let my dad's record stand on his own. But for, I can speak for myself and my brothers. We were animals. And I would imagine that wears on a person after a while. One would think. Yeah. And when that person spends, you know, back back in those days, Roger, back when America was quote unquote great, uh, a woman would spend a lot of time making a dinner for her family. Well, definitely, especially with all those right, kids. And, and folks, I say that with my tongue firmly in cheek. So don't get the, don't get your Easter bonnets in a bunch. So my mom had spent all this time making a big dinner, big ham dinner. Oh man, it's going to be fantastic! So let me paint you the picture of our of the Noonan kitchen. It was a small kitchen with a rectangular table. On one side, one of the long edges of the table sat my father, and in a uh, in a high chair. My brother number four. At one end of the table, at the head of the table, technically, was brother number three in like a tall booster chair. Now, the reason, I don't know why brother number three got to sit at the head of a table, but it makes sense for his uh, opinion of himself as life went on, that he believes he should be at the head of the table. Oh, so So, your parents kind of... Help that along. Well, yeah, but I think I, I also think my dad sat on that side of the table because it was one closer to the refrigerator, two close to the back door, and uh, three he could turn away to smoke because oh. uh, he didn't wait for dinner to be over. If he was done eating, he started smoking. Gotcha. So as as you know, I'm sure a lot of people did back in those days. So he was uh, he was there. Then on the other long edge of the table, directly across from my father, sat me, the oldest son, on a bench next to brother number two. And then at the other head of the table was my mom and our, my youngest brother in a high chair, because that that end of the table was right next to the stove, which is where women ought to be all the time, right next to the stove, cooking and cleaning. So your father had that whole side to himself? No, no, no. He oh. was sitting next to brother number oh. th- uh, four. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm trying like, to get this picture. Here. Ben's like, why are you using their number? Because they don't like me to say their names. <laughs> <laughs> They're in a witness protection Cause they, program. Because when people say, oh, are you related? They go, no, that's a different Noonan. Uh, so that's that's why. It, yeah, it's all very it's all very names were changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> All right, so there's this crowded table, and my mom brings out the ham, and she's she's frazzled. 
because I don't know what's been going on that day. Probably one of us set fire to something. Another one of us stabbed somebody else. Uh, There was probably, you know, no one ever lifted the seat, so she could never go to the bathroom in comfort or peace. Uh, She probably had to cut a lot of food for the youngest two, you know, because they were young, so you got to cut all the meat. And I don't think my dad ever helped with that chore. He sat down, he ate, and then he smoked. That was, you know, that was how it went. So she brings out the ham. And I won't eat it, which I never have. This is what the problem, I've never eaten ham to that point, ever. Well, this night my mom loses her mind, like starts crying that I won't eat. And now she's crying because I won't eat ham, which is, I don't know if it was hormonal. I don't know. I gotta, she still won't, she still won't explain why she overreacted. Because I, I talk to her about this now and then. I go, you remember this story? Yeah, I remember. What happened? I don't know. She had like a mental break. Yeah, it's, it's it a temporary like. mental break yeah. all over this ham. This is really sad. It's, well, it's it's gonna get sadder. Oh no! Yeah. So she, so she's crying because I won't eat the ham. You better eat the ham. Why won't you eat my ham? You gotta eat the ham. And now my dad's lost his mind. You're gonna eat that GD ham. I'm not gonna eat the ham. I don't like ham. Just eat the ham for your mother. I no. I'm not gonna eat ham for my mother. Now remember, I'm like 11. This is a, I should be I should be quaking in my boots and go, yes, Dad, I'll eat the ham. But there's certain lines a man can't cross even at 11. I drew a line in the sand and that line was ham. <laughs> that line wasn't getting crossed. 11, 21, 41. I don't care. So my dad's like, all right, if you want to eat that ham, there's no Easter basket for you on Sunday. <gasps> and I'm like, right. I didn't say that out loud, but in my head, that's exactly what happened. You called his bluff? Sit tight, Roger. The, the story will unfold. I'm, I'm all nervous over here. Right, so I did call his bluff. I didn't eat the ham. My mom loses her mind. My brothers eat the ham. They're staring at me like, you better eat that ham, because Easter Bunny's coming, and we don't want to get short shrift, because if he's not coming for you, he might blow us off, too. My father, you're going to eat that ham? I'm not eating the ham, Dad. I'm not going to eat it. I don't like it. I'm not going to eat it. All right, fine. No Easter basket. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I did the Yankee Yankee hand gesture because, you know, I was 11 and he was my father. And he was so, you were within reach of his arm from across oh, sure, the table. Oh, sure. He could have leaned across the table. Oh, yeah. He could have thrown something at me. He could have thrown me out of the house. Uh, again, I'm 11. <laughs> so everything goes on. Dinner ends. My mom has, you know, she collects herself. The, the uh, mental break ends. She puts away all the leftovers. She scrapes my plate into the garbage. Boom. No ham for Brian. That's it. I got it last year. You going to eat it? Nope. Fine. It's in the garbage. No Easter basket for you. Fast forward to Saturday night. We line up our Easter baskets. All five Noonan brothers. Baskets in front of the couch in the living room with our names in front of them. We print our name on paper. We put them right in front. We leave them empty for the Easter bunny. Oh, this is going to be fantastic. We go up to bed. We dream of Fannie Mae eggs. Dream of whatever else comes in the basket. Sometimes it's a, a little toy, maybe an eight-track tape, something. You know, something good's going to come. And we know that Sunday morning when we open our eyes and we come out to the little landing and look down into the living room, there there's going to be five glorious baskets filled to the brim with exciting Easter swag. That Sunday morning we awoke. There was a little, there was a little fence across the landing. On the top of the stairs so that my youngest brothers didn't tumble down. <laughs> so we're like convicts or veal or dogs in a humane society. We're looking through this little fence. And I count because I'm the oldest. I know how to count. 
I didn't know how to count to five. That's how many baskets are supposed to be down in the living room. I start to count. One, two, three, four, nothing. Wait, I got to do that again. One, two, three, four. Holy F. The Easter Bunny didn't come for me. I go downstairs. We go running downstairs. There they are. Four Easter baskets. Everybody's name is where it's supposed to be. My Easter basket, empty, shoved under the dining room table. (gasps) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So now, my brothers are in hog heaven. They're, oh, look at this. I got a tea. I got this. I got a puzzle. I got one of those uh, magic erase boards where you write with the little plastic pencil and then it's gone. And I got, look at all this candy. Oh, my God. We got jelly beans. We got Fannie Mae eggs. We got this. Oh, everything's over. What'd you get? I got nothing for ham. So I had to sit there and watch my brothers open their baskets and enjoy their bounty. Then it was time to get dressed and go to church. So we go to church. Now, I went to, we went to Catholic school where we went to church. So a lot of my friends are at, at church. And, and everybody's talking after church. What'd you, give, what'd you get in your Easter basket? What'd you get in your Easter basket? And I had to lie. Because I couldn't, I couldn't face my friends and tell them the truth. That my crazy parents had denied me an Easter basket from the Easter Bunny because I didn't eat ham. So I just I made something up. I said, oh, and I remember, I don't know why I remember, but this is the honest to God's truth. I told my friends I got a Bobby Hull puzzle in my Easter basket. And of course, they're going to want to see that. Well, they're not coming. I don't invite people over. Oh, okay. No. So, but I make, so I make up you this. You lied. I lied. And you would think after all of this, that one, I would do everything my father told me from then on. And most importantly, I would have started devouring ham the next day to build up a tolerance for next Easter so that I would not uh, miss out again. And yet, never. I still don't eat ham. Still do not eat ham at all. So there you have it, Roger. Saddest Easter story ever. And every year I'm reminded of this. And that's why, you know, Mm. I'm not father of the year by any stretch of the imagination. Never was. But I, I swore that I would never take away a major holiday from Molly after losing out on Easter, losing out on trick-or-treating, mm-hmm. uh, being threatened with Christmas every year. You never threatened an Easter basket or no. a gift or no. candy of any sort no, because, to your child. No, because I knew what it... I, listen, obviously, it's, a, uh, it's something that scars you forever. Uh, Let's be rightfully honest. so. Scars you forever. Yeah. So, there you have it. we got to do this, then we'll come back. Mop your tears. There's more on WGN. All right. Welcome back. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. Karen Conti is coming up in just a few minutes. Um, this is a first. Somebody texted in, Roger, support of my parents for uh, not caving. And standing by their guns and uh, denying me my Easter basket. That's Here. just mean it, it to a little mean. 11-year-old boy. Yeah. yeah. Pulling away. Yeah. Obviously emotionally sensitive. Yes. With dietary needs. Karen, can, is there any, uh, can I retroactively seek some sort of damages from my parents? Um, yeah, I guess you should. I mean, it made you, I think, <laughs> it does, you know, doesn't I'm it at, explain a lot? It does explain a lot. And, and you're, you're not still stuck on it, by the way. No, not at all. <laughs> 
But you know what? Here's here's my problem. Every year it comes up. I went through that phase where all girls read the jungle. Remember, you read the jungle, and then you're all vegetarians for like for like maybe a semester in college. So I came (laughs) home, and I was good enough to put the food in my mouth, spit it out, and put it in my napkin. See, why can't you just fake it? Why couldn't you just have just gone along with the charade, Brian? You know what? That's a good question. Yes, but maybe I'm. Maybe there's a part of me that's too genuine. I can't perpetrate a fraud on my parents. I'm not going to go along just because the man tells me that's what I need to do. I'm not going to go along to get along, you know? Yeah. And that's... Listen, for better, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not always the best way to go. Obviously, it's uh, you know. I mean, you a do price. stand-up comedy. I mean, you do. You're an actor. You there, you lie for I a wasn't living. At this 11. is what you do. No, when I was 11, maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe that's why I do what I do now. Between that and the the Halloween so- story, when I got in trouble and couldn't go trick or treat. See, see, I I tell these stories only so people go. Now nah, we get it. <laughs> so it's not. It's nature over nurture, right? That's right. It's that, it's that whole pure thing. rebellion. Yeah, and I never thought of myself as rebellion, a rebellious rather, but uh, there's certain, like I said, there's a line in the sand. The signs were there. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody had been curious (laughs) enough to look, then they would have gone, yeah, this could be a problem down the line. There's a little something going on.